Hello and welcome to episode 300 of The Crate and Crowbar. It is the 24th of October 2019. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight is mad keen gamer Alex Wiltshire. <laughs> Hello! Close enough for jazz gamer Tom Senior. <laughs> Hello! Dire swamp gamer Marsh Davies. Howdy! And burdened with great destiny gamer Tom Francis. <laughs> Hello! Uh, we have, for the very first time in podcast history, remembered that we bought a fifth microphone. That I didn't know this about Apple. I didn't either. <laughs> and it was in the boiler cupboard in the house I was living in for the better part of four years. However, that does bring the microphone total to five, uh, which is sadly uh, not enough for Pip to join us. Or is it? Tomorrow, after we record this, I'm going to be recording a bonus mini pod with Pip which you will find bolted to this episode at some point that makes sense or doesn't. <laughs> 300 episodes. Holy shit. 300 episodes. Mm. Yeah. It's been six and a bit years and we didn't stop. <laughs> Time kept going. The number kept going up and eventually it was this number. The taste got hotter and hotter and hotter. And then colder again and then hotter again. <laughs> that was just the first three episodes. That got hotter <laughs> <again>. <laughs> colder ever since. Mm. Forming a sine wave throughout history that when entropy gets a hold of it, will just render out to nothing. <laughs> it's like most noise cancellation. Yeah, exactly. Just drag select the entire fucking thing. Just establishes noise. Run noise cancellation for a year. Got yourself a hum. <laughs> Welcome to the hum. Welcome <laughs> to the hum. It's a milder version of the hiss from control. It is. Um, Tom, I, I told you, I said that you were... Uh, burdened with great destiny for a reason it's because you got some news yeah i got some mixed emotions news i'm afraid um it's somewhat exciting and somewhat sad uh i am moving to vancouver for the foreseeable future if all goes well um and i haven't mentioned that uh, until now because it's been a bit up in the air it's been a struggle to see if it if i can do it at all uh but i can and i'm going next week <laughs> so, <laughs> bye <laughs> see, see, oh see, see you then it's and with yeah. that he climbs out of the window <laughs> into the he defenestrated night. himself <laughs> <laughs> to another continent <laughs> yeah it's yeah. been i've been in bath for 14 years or something um and it's kind of time for a change and i kind of want to be near other uh like indie so vancouver is kind of an indie hub and so is seattle mm. and seattle is right next to vancouver um so uh it'll be nice to be amongst uh my people so to speak my other people mm. um moving games journal town to game dev town <laughs> yeah. well it's really sad to see you go obviously but at the same time i think it's genuinely a miracle that we had you this long <laughs> <laughs> thanks <Yeah>. i think <laughs> no yeah and it's good news for canada it is yeah <laughs> I mean, it's a nice also, country. They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Canada. <laughs> Love Bath. <laughs> I had to, I had to take an English exam to, to, to do this move. <laughs> How'd you do? And, well, funny you should ask. <laughs> it's rated out of nine, um, in. Is it? Multiple categories. Yeah. Who okay. Knows why. It's not a maths exam. <laughs> um, for reading, listening, speaking, and writing. And I got nine out of nine in every category except writing. Seven point five. I got some feedback of like maybe you should listen to like some more, read some writing by some native English speakers and see how they use words oh, to wait, kind of look for commonalities. <laughs> <laughs> Fix your phrasing. Was it an opportunity to say I'm a regularly published uh, magazine writer? No, the, the bureaucracy didn't allow for that. Unfortunately, no, you did have to. The entire exam has to be written, handwritten in pencil. Uh, and what? I asked, I asked ahead of time, knowing my handwriting is terrible, um, uh, can I write in block capitals? And I said, yes. 
but I still suspect either my block capitals are still illegible <laughs> or that was like a ding against my, you know, ability to write in English. Mm. Well, you, you did pass though. And that's, yeah. you know, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> you passed being what you are. That's, 7.5 out of 9 is a very good score. It is, yeah. The irony is I'm quite bad at speaking. Like I really mumble, I rush it. I'm not very clear. In the, in the speaking interview, I kind of, uh, you're supposed to speak like five minutes uninterrupted. And what? Five I, minutes? Uh, uh, and I spoke for as long as I could and then I like, said, uh, how long was that? She said, one and a half minutes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what did you speak so about, awesome. can you say? Sorry? Can you, do you speak about anything? Is it? Uh, well, so I appreciate this is a difficult challenge for them in terms of how do you make a, if you're, if you're judging all these things separately, how do you do a, a speaking exam that doesn't also test the user's reading or writing or listening. <laughs> you have to give them the question somehow. And, mm. uh, so it is, it's just a conversation with somebody and they give you a, a topic to speak on. They obviously don't want to give you too many questions because, uh, A, they want to test how long, you, like how well you can speak fluently. And also they don't want you to, to fail because you didn't understand the question or something like that. Right. So they, what they try and do is give you like a broad topic so that you can speak for a while. And I can kind of do that. Like I, um, uh, since you know, having to do interviews and stuff and doing video things on YouTube, I've, I can speak more or less uninterrupted and doing this podcast, for example. <laughs> uh, but then the topic they gave me was talk about a teenager, you know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, no. 30, well, now 38, but I was 37 at the time. And I'm like, I don't know any teenagers. Why would I know any teenagers? <laughs> yeah, you're in kind of the dark, the bit where you, you're not old enough. You're, you're not so old that you come across children's, you know, your children's teenage friends and you're too far away from hmm. teenagehood. Yeah. So what did you do? Uh, I think I've told you this already, Alex, but I talked about your son, Jack. Who's, uh, is he a teenager? Not quite, but... Yeah. Oh, he yeah. is now. Yeah, yeah. My good friend, Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's Canadian, isn't he? Did you... That, they would love that. <laughs> I believe he was born in London, Ontario. I don't know why I know that. Wow. 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 That would explain the t-shirt you're wearing. <laughs> Bebenauts. <laughs> Love that teenager. <laughs> I'll take that back. <laughs> Tom there embodying the moral crisis at the centre of Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> I think that was one of the like red flags they were looking for with this question. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you got in. Yep. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So you get far. an acceptance letter like UCAS or something. Or is um, it, uh, you passed. Yeah. You get, uh, ex- you get invited to apply. Mm. Uh, and then you apply. Now I'm actually in a weird stage where like you don't get what I'm going for at the moment is a work permit, um, on a temporary basis. And you don't get it yet. You just have to show up and you pick it up at the airport, <laughs> which is very weird to me. But so I don't have the, the thing that tells me I'm allowed to be there. I'm just going to show up and say, Hey, you said I can have one. <laughs> <laughs> it, that, that kind of rings to, I flew into Vancouver for the first time in late August. I've actually been to Vancouver twice in the last couple of months now. <laughs> um, and I had never been to Canada before and I, but I've been to America a lot. And superficially, when you arrive, the kind of security setup is very, very similar until you realize that, uh, it's just, it was just way nicer and quicker. And I said, I'm here for work. And they're like, okay. And I was like, <laughs> as opposed to the first time I went to the US where I got grilled about whether or not I genuinely was a fan of the, uh, CSI New York or <laughs> it was just my mum that liked it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. When I went through the States, uh, security system, the guy who was grilling me, 
talk to me a lot about what was that film about Disney, Walt Disney, played by Tom Hanks and had Emma Thompson oh, in it. Oh, Future, Futureland? No, 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 Saving Mr. Banks right. is what it's called. But he'd seen it the previous evening and he gave me a blow-by-blow account of uh, <laughs> its plot details while emptying my suitcases onto the floor. It's, uh, <laughs> it was a surreal, surreal There must time. be a reason for this then if this keeps coming up. Or maybe mm, there isn't. Maybe not, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, congratulations, Tom. Yeah, yeah well done. Congratulations, Tom. Goodbye. And goodbye. Um, you'll be back in the UK every now and then. Yeah, I'm going to come back about four times a year just to see family and stuff and for board meetings with <laughs> my company now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, hopefully some of those times will coincide with pod times and I can guest again. Yes, we'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Consider what's your writing score? <laughs> what was your speaking score? Nine out of nine. Oh, damn. Full marks and everything except writing. <laughs> Just that writing weakness I've got to work on. It might take like a nine-year vocational course <laughs> writing for a magazine or something. Well, we should do our best to uh, impair all of our speaking scores with delicious Maker's Mark. Thanks again, Tom. Um, is there any news anyone wants to discuss? Any video games news that we discussed on this video games podcast? Uh, just something I saw moments before coming onto this podcast was that uh, it's been announced that Conan O'Brien will be in Death Stranding. <laughs> um, he gives you a hat, which is the, sh- the face of an otter, and it allows you to go down rivers on your back. <laughs> Holy shit. You flap your kind of li- wrists about as well. Yeah, you, you kind of have your uh, wrists kind of together and in front of your chin, and you kind of just paddle your paws up in the air. Up and down. In many ways, the Conan O'Brien um, side of this is the least surprising part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is that game? What the fuck have he's... What has he made? I keep seeing... So I, I saw the headline and I saw the thumbnail going along with it. And that face is fucking scary. Mm. <laughs> Conan O'Brien's yeah, face. Yeah, it doesn't look like Conan O'Brien No, I didn't realise it was him. I thought, oh, it's a weird choice that they've made to have Conan O'Brien's voice, but also have this horrible mangled face. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you catch him in different lighting. You're like, uh, oh... Maybe. <laughs> He's got quite mm. a lot of cameos because Keeley's in it as well, isn't he? Yeah. Isn't Jeff Keeley just like a mission giving NPC who says yes or something? Yeah. But some of them, uh, some of them just have their physical likeness, but not their voices. So, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, terrible director, is in it. Um, but he's just his, his physical likeness, which is weird because nobody recognizes him anyway. It's the only I think- suppose I wouldn't know what his voice is either, but yeah, both of them bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's true of Guillermo del Toro as well, right? I think yeah, I think someone so. Else's yeah. Voice yeah. Is which well. it kind of, it sort of sucks for those voice actors because like they're not going to get any credit for their performance really yeah hmm it, yeah i saw all the posters recently that they put out and it's got a little bit of that it's definitely got uncanny valley recreations of all them actors what hideo kojima decided should be in it like there's a I, it took me a while to realize that it was uh, uh leia sedu and then when you mm. see that you're like oh, oh it is yeah but you, mm. I almost yeah almost almost and yeah there's something faintly creepy to me about real actors getting scanned in and then sort of and then given backstories where they breathe through their breasts inexplicably or yeah something. yeah I was yeah. actually thinking about quiet when I was saying that it's mm. the same sort of process by which yeah it's, it's like weird. that feeling when you see a uh, yeah, like a, a photo shoot from one of these generic photo shoots and it's been put on a, a BBC headline about smack addiction or something like that I think did that did that model really know what they were signing up mm. for? In that same in in the same announcement about Conan O'Brien, didn't mm. he? Or I think it was on the show on his show, or whatever. Didn't he, uh, Kojima say that? Um, oh, who's the who's the star in the game? What was in Baltimore? It's Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus asked for. 
bigger, thicker arms. <laughs> I want to be more muscly. Make me more muscly. You change everyone else's face. I want more bigger muscles. <laughs> and what do they that. give him that? Apparently so. Okay. Yeah. No reedy arms for readers. No reedy. <laughs> <laughs> we just know more. <laughs> <laughs> now I am Buffus. <laughs> That's the name of the main character. Really. <laughs> saying, Norman Buffus. <laughs> that seemed totally in keeping with the rest of the naming conventions. Uh, I think um, also, I think uh, in, I think before every character appears, there's a little subtitle, which is just my best friend, comma, this actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's out, isn't it, soon? Or has it gone gold? Or is it? I think it's gone... What, what the fuck is Gone gold mean? Tom, what has gone gold? Have you ever gone gold, Tom? <laughs> well, so in the 1600s, uh, <laughs> game developers, when they finished, uh, could not uh, release their game unless they forged it out of gold. And so the final uh, CD, they didn't have DVDs at that point in the 1600s, but uh, the final CD had to be made of solid gold. And then you'd, you'd send that out to your distribution castles. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that. it was like finally finished the game and therefore you could watch Going for Gold. Uh, <laughs> It, it's, uh, it means a lot less in the day of, in the yeah. era of day zero patches. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah, I believe it's done that, but <laughs> I don't, cause a bit, the uh, copies are in reviewers' hands, aren't they? Mm. That's why I can't talk about it because yeah. I've heard lots of opinions from people and I'm dying to tell you guys about it well. during the break. <laughs> 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 but I have to Actually, them. I guess it's, it's not even just day zero patches. Like we're past that era now. We're past, we're into the era where like with digital purchases, even if you had to lock it in for PS4 certification or whatever at a certain date, if you, uh, pass that and you, you have updates to it, I would assume you can get those into the version that a digital purchaser downloads in the yeah, first place. Like it's not like an update they have to install afterwards. And I guess it goes for what goes on the actual disc. There's a lock day for that. But then, yeah. like, should, like, come on, let's grow up, everybody. Everyone knows the, all the data on the disc is going to be replaced <laughs> on the first day. So just have a suggestion of the game on the disc. Like, <laughs> it could be fucking anything. Because it's all going to get overwritten. No one's going to see. What's it's a notepad file with your idea for the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's the gold master. <laughs> like, yeah, so like 10 print, here's my game. <laughs> I think the reason it had to be gold originally is that if you do change the gold master, it changes every other copy of it. <laughs> if you destroy the gold master, they all die. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot like fantasy Sauron logic. Um, I did see, uh, so I don't know what I was listening to, uh, on YouTube, but it auto played a piece of music for Death Stranding by Apocalyptica, who is just like the, the cello metal band. Mm. And it was all right, but I liked that the top voted comment was something like, who's ready for ladders and pissing? And it had been up, and it had been upvoted like 4,000 times. So people clearly are ready, very ready for cameos, ladders and pissing, which is, I mean, like, as far as I know what this is. Kojima's very good at verbs. He's good at his game verbs, mm-hmm. you've got to admit. Mm-hmm. There has been like a silliness arc with this game. Like the graph of the silliness over time has gone from mm. like zero to, or negative 100 to <laughs> positive 100 as they've revealed more about it. Like the early stuff was so fucking serious and so like dark and weird. And and then as it's got closer to release, like, oh, so you can piss on mushrooms. <laughs> Here's your giant extendo ladder. <laughs> Conan O'Brien's in it. Turn into an otter. <laughs> I like, I think someone on Discord referred to the technique scene, I think in the gameplay trailer where you can choose if you, if you're overwhelmed by enemies to throw the package that you're trying to deliver at them as DPD strike. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was very good. Um, <laughs> you should have to take a photo of it as well to prove where it is. <laughs> exactly. Do you <laughs> know what? I, I, has, this package has been delivered. <laughs> but like, I, if, if Kajim caught wind of that, like, I can imagine him going, right, okay, talk to DPD, see if we can get a deal. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> DPD is in it. <laughs> the CEO of DPD just shows up. <laughs> What else has happened video game news wise? I suppose um the Ubi things got delay. Oh yeah. Mm. For to increase development time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Any anyone th- thoughts have? I'm still looking forward to Watch Dogs. Yeah, same. I'm mm. pretty much always positive for video game delays because I'm never haven't been impatient for a game for like yeah, right. decades at this point. They hadn't, had they announced a release date? I don't think they had, right? So it's yeah, just, that's the other thing. They didn't even know like, what the release date is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just 2019, wasn't it? Yeah. Watch Dogs. So, I mean. And now it's, I guess it's a, a different time later, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> it's fine, isn't it? Yeah. Great. Well, thanks. For- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should talk about games that people have been playing. Um, Tom Senior. I've been playing the Outer Worlds, which are reviewed for PC Gamer this week. Amazing. I would like to institute a rule, uh, in addition to the rules we normally abide by. If anyone accidentally says Outer Wilds in the subsequent podcast, we have to drink. To drink. <laughs> oh god. It was, uh, I was desperately trying hard during writing the review not to call it Outer Wilds, because I think whoever requested code for PC Gamer for the game called it Outer Wilds in the emails. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so. It's, it's especially cruel, yes. like, confusion because, uh, Outer Wilds is about a series of worlds, and yes. Outer Worlds, although it also has worlds in it, it kind of has a, like a wild, wild west, west kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking semantic nightmare. Um, but yeah, the game's quite good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so most of the reviews about you were born to review this. <laughs> um, I gave it a score of seventy-nine out of a hundred. Um, stupid as scores are but uh i think the kind of the problem they might run into is that it looks a lot like fallout mm. in the um uh, just the kind of retro futuristic technology and the idea that it's, it's sort of sci-fi but uh everyone's in a dark situation but they're quite cheerful there's, there's that type of humor um but it's slightly retro-y sort of 50s sci-fi as well right yeah like, exactly yes yeah. yeah. so the, the art style is really really reminiscent of fallout it's but, by obsidian as well right yeah it's by so obsidian. do you think it's made from the offcuts of a fallout game that they pitched and then didn't succeed to get greenlit by bethesda it doesn't feel like that because like actually the environments and all that is really well structured and the actual the place is so varied and, <laughs> and um you know there's, uh, a, there's a light dunk on Bethesda. <laughs> <laughs> I fallen out of love with the uh, Bethesda games. Like I totally bounced off Fallout Four because mm. I was so I was so bored mm. of just being in a wasteland again. Um, and I didn't get the sense of kind of d- delight and discovery from exploring a giant sandbox world from it. Like I wasn't mm. running into the kind of fun stuff that I've run into in Fallout Three or Skyrim. Um, but this isn't structured like that at all. This is uh, just hopping from like medium-sized planetary zones, different planets across the solar system, the occasional. Uh, the occasional space station and it just it's an absolutely just you can just breathe through it lightly without worrying too much about any of the systems and just enjoy the humor and enjoy the kind of uh the beautiful and extremely varied environments which the, the advantage you have of just hopping between places is that you can just change the color palette from one place to another and, and nip back and forth in your spaceship and uh, do little side quests and pick up really stupid ray guns and stuff like that and uh hear more jokes and kill lots of very stupid enemies um, that don't do very much. Are the jokes good? Um, I prefer the sort of the the references and um, so for example, there's loads of um, 
uh, there's loads of red dwarf in it, for example, <laughs> and um, in that there's kind of the, your your ship uh, has its own version of Holly from Red Dwarf, who's a kind of sardonic AI basically that kind of acknowledges you and you have to interact with them. Um, some of the companions are good, I would say. Um, I think that it's, it's not quite funny enough to be worth playing just for the jokes. Mm. But I think if you if you have a really soft spot for pulpy sci-fi that has like Jetsons style ray guns and stuff like that, it's really, really good fun. Um, it has lots of kind of stat sheets and lots of perks and lots of things that you can toy with. Um, but none of them are particularly consequential. Like it's a really kind of, it's the illusion of a layer of RPG over what's essentially a kind of conversation game. It's all, uh, it feels to me more like a choose your adventure. Hmm. Uh, and the, the quests branch in entertaining ways. And, um, I was never invested in any, any of the characters really, but it was still really fun just to, you, you constantly portraying people for various reasons, basically. Um, and you can decide with uh, the corporations who actually cruelly own the entire system. And of course there are, you know, people who are fighting against that. Um, but the people who work for the corporations are like really cheerful about it because they sort of have a place in the universe and, people who are outside of that uh, have relatively miserable lives in lots of cases because they're sort of fighting the system which is fun do you want to side with one or the other um, and you can constantly just switch allegiances and, and <laughs> be a total dickhead like uh, quite often throughout the game um, so I enjoyed it it's good kind of like touch RPG that I think really really fills a hole like it really there's a, there's a gap for that type of RPG where it's only about 25 hours long um, and it's just well made and it, it sort of it breaks in acceptable ways. Like, um, uh, I blew a man into many pieces and looted an entire mining suit, some meds, some money from his right leg, which is just a classic kind of video game contrivance, right? Like, you just don't expect that shit to happen. But, um, unlike, you it's know, probably in his shoe. <laughs> it was all in there. Massive, massive shoe. Uh, the, but it's not like, Obsidian has a reputation for releasing quite buggy games sometimes, and this isn't buggy in that way, and it's actually, it feels really <laughs> solid and well made and really fun. Hmm. Hmm. It sounds kind of, um, Vampire the Masquerade in scope. Would you say that's a fair comparison? Cause that's about 25 hours long, hub worlds, RPG sort of thing. Yeah, I'd say it's way more, um, prescriptive than that in terms of, you're literally just bouncing from NPC to NPC right. without, um, so you don't have the thing where you can play a vampire that just lives underground and that's a totally different game that you play within right. that world. Like it's, it's, there's nowhere near that depth of, uh, that depth of experience within these small areas that uh, you're just kind of going from NPC to NPC, picking up weird sci-fi stuff, shooting some dogs on the way. <laughs> and that's quite, that's pretty much the extent of it really, um, which is really reductive, <laughs> but nonetheless it is a satisfying experience. It's not like a kind of, it's not a disco Elysium, type experience like it's not gonna it's not gonna say think thing. about anything <laughs> it's, it's not gonna raise any dilemmas or, or really kind of interrogate the human condition at all um but you do get to pick up energy guns that turn people into dust that you can then loot and take entire armor suits out of <laughs> so that type of game do you think the the fallout comparison might actually help it because i think didn't bethesda announce like a subscription plan for 76 oh, oh yeah that's the news yeah and what was the news i missed this what was they're it? doing a subscription plan um for fallout 76 13 dollars yeah. a month what do you get? Allow you to play on a and weirdly, server, and there's a single player mode. Wait, that's part of the subscription. It's thing. a subscription just for that that game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you bought the game. <laughs> okay, that's why I didn't hear about it. Because if I'd read it, I'd have instantly tried to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I saw another good tweet today, which I can't remember the provenance of, which was try and hold yourself with the confidence that Bethesda holds Fallout seventy six. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's such a relentless stream of negative 
news about that game. Mm. There are like uh, I have friends who who are into it to various degrees, uh, but sort of not mega enthusiastically. It's always like eh, it's a lot better than people say, or you know, it hasn't broken as badly for me as it has for others. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this this plan. I mean, you can sort of see the business logic of it is like since there are some people who are super into it, then let's milk those people mm. <laughs> rather than trying yeah. to mm. ex- broaden its appeal mm. because it, uh, it's obviously. A bit of a poison chalice for everyone else. Um, but then obviously it makes you look really bad because <laughs> yeah, of what you're doing. <laughs> really strong, like bin destiny vibes from it, but <coughs> destiny mm. climbed out of the bin over time. So maybe just yeah. focusing on it will eventually turn it into something. But the reason I brought it up is because presumably Fallout's one of the biggest, you know, selling franchises in the world, I suspect fairly safe to say. And for all we know, <laughs> <laughs> well, right. But you know, it, it always, is enormously popular whenever it comes along. I think 76 wasn't necessarily an exception to that. So I'm kind of wondering whether this is a good time to release something like Outer Worlds because people will want something like what this Mm -hmm. is. And they're used to accepting a certain level of jank from Fallout. There's a massive gap for that sort of game as well because like everyone desperately wanted uh, Bethesda to announce Skyrim and they sort of did, but you know, you'll see this in 10 years type of Mm. way. Um, Whereas just a nice sort of relaxing, dedicated single player uh, RPG with no bullshit and no subscription services or, and no kind of like micro, microtransactions or anything it is just a nice, easy thing to buy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. With Cyberpunk months away as well. Yeah. It seems like yeah. in a lot of ways, the closest thing, uh, recently has been Borderlands 3. And that's mm. a sci-fi Wild West-ish, uh, thing where you jump between different planets that all look really different and it, you level up and, um, but I'm guessing this, what are like the main differences between this and a Borderlands game? So it's not like, it's not an amazing shooter, but it's a very funny shooter. In that they, <laughs> the way they've kind of overcome the lack of, you know, tactical intrigue is, <laughs> is to make dudes explode in super funny ways while screaming like really <laughs> overwrought things. Um, and another example of Jank, uh, mentioned the review as well is like, I shot a guy's head off and it, it, there was no more head, like it was gone. Um, but he was, he fell over screaming, ah, my eyes, my eyes, I can't see. <laughs> so the game knew something had happened to his head. <laughs> yeah, the game had registered. That'll do. That it had been a hit, but not that I had absolutely vaporized his butt. So, uh, there's lots of stuff like that and lots of screams. And- I killed a, a guy in Borderlands and he said, jokes on you, I was in massive debt. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's not a good shoot, really. Like, but the the guns are super silly and really fun. You can sort of mod them to have like energy effects or lightning effects um, that make things explode in interesting different ways. Um, but yeah, Borderlands uh, is kind of a fun shooter, right? Like, it's actually got like, yeah. some chops. Can you like talk your way out of quests instead of shooting? Um, Often, yeah. In fact, most most of the quests are very talky, actually. Um, often, like, the combat tends to be friction between journeys between NPCs, and most of the actual quest resolution happens during conversation. Um, but often in those conversations, you have the option to pull out a gun or just to kill them, basically, um, which is fun. So, yeah, it's definitely leaning on, again, as I said, the choose-your-own-adventure thing rather than the kind of... Uh, it's not a shooter. It's not a dedicated shooter at all. How much does it branch at a kind of top story level? Like, it sounds like individual quests, you get some choices, but is that like, uh, is it one of those sort of play it a couple of times to figure out how you can do things differently games, or is it a... Yeah, there's loads of different endings, um, and it also has, like, there's a remarkable scope to betray the main sort of factions at any time, mm. and really change things up, and it kind of reminds me almost of Alpha Protocol in that respect, and Alpha mm. Protocol was like a really 
like absurdly ambitious uh rpg branching rpg uh but in this like there are there are characters that you can just turn against like it keep constantly gives you the options to do you want to go against this guy do you want to go against this corporation where do you want to sit and then it will let you change your mind later so there's a, a, charting your path through that is really fun oh cool even though i was never necessarily that invested in like any of the characters <laughs> particularly or like any of the people in the world which is a shame for, uh, for a role-playing game but i was entertained like it was, it's just like light-hearted fun basically mm. i think um with some nice choices how do you feel it sits next to something like divinity which i would argue has also kind of swept into this place right like i think anyone who's like where's a fallout successor or a successor to fallout 3 yeah should play something like divinity even though it's a change of perspective because it's all that freedom and all that yeah sort of systemic stuff but, but uh, it, done well the outer world isn't a sandbox like it's, it's not right uh, it's not a sort of systems obviously but it's not systems driven in the way that divinity is divinity is like a, quite an exciting elemental sandbox and you can get you, there's loads of game in that even mm. outside of the quests and even outside of the conversations also i just find that there's just much more imagination in divinities uh classes and characters and the way that they can react to each other to being an undead with a bucket on your head is just a, a better idea than anything in the outer worlds <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what i mean it's just that extra creative leap to do something given the tone of the outer worlds they could do stuff stupid stuff they could do more like dumb uh dumb humor like that mm. um but they don't <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this has been an absolute masterclass in faint praise <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what 79 means it's a yeah. good game yeah but it's not a great game it like, feels like one of those like you know there's like wire puzzles where you can't go like too <laughs> right. high or too low or it buzzes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Just get I'll, that thing all the way to the end i'm trying to th- thread that needle for sure yeah um yeah again like i said this before on the podcast like it's, it's a saturday morning cartoon game is literally just if you want to breeze through something that's just quite fun and you don't have to think about too much it's a really nice rpg for that and it's not too long as well like mm. it's a good length it's the right length uh and given that so many rpgs even like disco legion and stuff are just massive and like a novelistic endeavor if you want to get through it uh then that's this is a nice kind of alternative to that cool we should maybe return to Disco Elysium. I suspect it'll come up a bit more, but I appreciate that more people on podcast now. Yeah. More people than played it. I played the whole thing, start to finish. <laughs> oh, wow. Since I was last on this podcast. Um, I really like it. Uh, unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> I, a thing that I didn't, wasn't ready for until it actually came out was that there's no combat, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. And that's brilliant. That's, that makes it so much. It just removes one of the many things you can get wrong in an RPG because <laughs> like mo- there are very few RPGs that are like brilliant in dialogue and in combat because those are two completely different things. Um, yeah. and it, it has so many trying to put combat in, into these games. It connects up to so many different things about how you develop your character. If you're having to decide between putting points into persuasion versus points into, uh, actual like weapon skills, mm. that's a, a decision where you, you're really being pushed against like, well, I kind of have to choose this because I otherwise I'm not going to be combat viable. And, you know, and that this just gets away from all of that. Um, and it's, uh, the way it works is like the complexity is all in the very start. Like when you actually have to create a character, um, the, it simplifies it by letting you choose one of three archetypes, but those two of those have one uh psyche, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh the one that like means that if anything goes if anything in any way disturbs you in the game and you haven't yet found any magnesium to take to recover from that, that's just game over. <laughs> and I, I died from looking at my car. <laughs> 
looking at uh, my my partner's car actually uh, i looked at it and i like looked at the steering wheel or something and then i didn't even like follow what was going on in the conversation that was so disturbing to me but it took a point of morale off me it only had one morale and i hadn't got anything that could restore morale so i just died then and there <laughs> that was game over so i learned to i actually went back and restarted it made a new character uh and i wanted to, to like be a character of extremes i wanted to be like a super smart i wanted to play like the genius cop um basically to emulate all my favorite detective shows um and i thought that meant putting like five points in this one point in that five points in this one point in that mm. um and actually you can even if you go quite sort of middle of the road like three and two and uh, and that kind of thing in those stats those stats determine those like four key stats uh determine your starting skill level in all those in all the sub skills of them and also how many extra points you can put in on top of that and so putting three points in a thing means you can ultimately have six points in one, any of those skills. Mm-hmm. Whereas putting one in means you start with one and you can only ever have two. Um, unless you find someone that's... Yeah, it's quite a big force points by going to two points mm-hmm. then. Yeah, so it's extreme. If you go for extremes at the start, you've gone for extreme extremes. And now you're dead from looking at a car. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I swallowed my pride a bit and went back and did like, okay, I'm going to have... I'm going to have... I think I even had three psyche. So I can look at three cars without <laughs> And... Uh, uh, and I still I stuck with, I think, two endurance. Um, and that, so obviously the, the really unique and cool thing about the game is that those skills are also voices in your head that you have conversations with and it will put, try and push you in certain directions. And it's so cool that that is, uh, the way they integrate is really smart because uh, it's ridiculous to have 24 different skills, all of which are basically voiced, <laughs> like mm. not actually voice acting for those particular things, but like you can Written. write. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be characters you've got to write for. Uh, and the way they, the way, I mean, it, it is incredibly complex and ambitious and they, they have, uh, apparently it's been in the works for 15 years. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if the game has, but the, yeah. the setting has. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause it was the role playing setting that right. they devised. For a novel game, was I think. in it as well. Yeah. Um, but the way it's achievable at all is that a lot of those interjections are telling you about what the next bit of dialogue is going to be. And, mm. you know, like em- empathy will tell you what this person is feeling, uh, which is something you can just insert after the thing they've said or before the thing they've said, which doesn't require the thing they've said to change. It doesn't require necessarily mm. dialogue options to change. Uh, and that stuff was really cool. I loved, I, I went really big on rhetoric and logic. And I loved having just before ah, big YouTuber. <laughs> there is there's a like a, a polo neck shirt gives you minus one empathy and plus one rhetoric. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> um, uh, and I loved facing like a really big decision. Some of these fucking dialogue trees, there'll be nine options to choose from. It's insane. And just before that, rhetoric will kick in and say, uh, give you advice like, don't go for the juggler on this. Like, uh, warm them up first with something irrelevant, mm. and then look through those options. I pick something irrelevant, and that works. And uh, uh, I'm really interested to know how, because it's an amnesiac plot, I'm really interested to know if they ever change what your past is based on what you chose since the start of the game. Because mm. I had a really good moment where I just kind of talked a bunch of people uh, into kind of betraying each other and just um, completely manipulated them into, into uh, giving up things they didn't want to give up. And then right after that, they were sort of talking about what they'd been told about me before I got there. And they basically said that was my rep, that that was my you know my superpower that i would talk people into uh, betraying each other and i wonder if you i mean i suspect that's deterministic like oh that's determined by yeah i'm sure they wouldn't like that conversation made reference to the fact that i just done that so obviously you wouldn't hear that if you hadn't just done that but i wonder if they actually change what the truth is as well Mm. as just like which bits of it you hear Mm. 
It's interesting because it also gives you the option to determine some of that truth for yourself or at least mm. your relationship with it. Like, I haven't finished it. Actually, we should figure out who has played it. Everybody? I've played a, a big chunk of preview build, but not the full cool. final game right. yet. Yeah, okay. I played a big, big chunk. But again, yeah, this was a older build that, and I haven't gone back because so my save is, won't work. Mm. Mm. Obviously, we'll steer clear of spoilers because yeah. it's yeah, a yeah, yeah. very spoilable thing. <laughs> um. Yeah, that many voices thing is such a good idea. Uh, not just because it works well in an RPG, but it also, like, it's such a good idea that it doesn't even feel like an extra thing they've bolted on. It feels more like they took away a barrier that other writing, games writing has, mm. where usually if you're going to say what the character's thinking, you restrict yourself to one voice and you, you just make up what this character's voice is that's in their head. And that isn't really, it's not how my brain works anyway. I don't know anyone else, but I have multiple voices in, in my head <laughs> telling me what to do at all times, sometimes disturbingly. <laughs> Canada. But like, <laughs> Um, so it's the end of Akira. Um, <laughs> um, those, like, you know, a lot of people have some form of intrusive thoughts to one degree or another. And, you know, mm. that being a, um, obviously that can vary in severity a lot, but most people just have some things that pop into the head that they don't want to do and that don't, um, that's, uh, that don't feel like, uh, this is me thinking, seriously considering this idea like i should jump into traffic or whatever yeah and uh the fact that you have voices in your head to just kind of raise weird ideas mm -hmm. uh is i think just true about human brains and if you just start from that premise it kind of opens up a whole new way of writing and those it works best for me when it's obviously it gives rise to so many jokes <laughs> like there are so many good gags in this that really kind of um they feel very natural. They don't feel like hmm. I was watching some, uh, some, uh, a little clip about the outer worlds and there was a joke, a sort of a jokey character that was very, it was just really a Zap Brannigan, Brannigan character and he was just doing Zap Brannigan lines and it's just kind of, I know the premise of this joke right at the start. I know that you've written this just to be a joke and none of it really worked for me for that reason. And, uh, Discord even feels like the other end of the spectrum where everything just sort of feels like they started writing it and then saw a spot for like, Oh, it'd be funny if this happened. And then, uh, it all feels very natural with, um, voices in your head. There's one, I, I wasn't familiar with this quote, but I was in a really big, um, it was that same big conversation where I played, ultimately played everyone off uh, each other, but I just failed a skill check. Uh, and I think it was a drama check and drama is like your lying slash lie detector skill. Hmm. Uh, but it's also, uh, true to its name. It, it's just a very dramatic voice in your head and it keeps calling you my liege and stuff. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I, I rolled a drama check and I failed it. I don't know what, what I was trying to say, like what, what would have happened if I got it right, but because I failed it, what I said was, um, uh, 300 leers and I can't remember the first line <laughs> and then <laughs> no one knows what the fuck you're talking about it goes really badly and then later like rhetoric and, and logic are trying to count things you say and drum says no say 300 leers and I can't remember the first line and logic is like no he said that last time and really need to end the I think one thing that's actually uh, also great about the way it's written is um, obviously you've got the voices in your head arguing but it's also written often as if the dialogue choices that you're given are all things you're considering saying because in a lot of dialogue choice RPGs, it's like one of these is the character that you are and the others are options to be a different character, right? Like that's the typical sort of Mass Effect or the L.A. Noir kind of like, you know, punch versus kiss versus question kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, trifecta. Whereas this is sort of like it uses the dialogue options. It's one of the reasons it's discussed as a funny game, actually, is it 
it surprises you in lots of different places. So it will sometimes it'll be the voices cropping up that will offset the thing you thought was happening, and sometimes it'll just be one of the options you're given. It's completely sideways, but feels kind of like sort of appropriate to the character in that moment. Um, like asking someone if you can have their cigarette midway through a conversation. Um, I managed to get two achievements in a row. One, um, uh, one for being the, the goodest cop. Um, and the other for being the sorriest possible man. <laughs> and, <laughs> so did I. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just been very sorry. And actually, and that's partly because, partly because I was, uh, playing myself, uh, for this first run through, but also because, um, I really appreciate one thing it does, which is it repeatedly gives you the ability to say either I don't know or I'm sorry or both. <laughs> and very rarely do games even, you know, and it's like, that's one of the reasons it gets away, I think, with Amnesiac Protagonist is, or the reason it's good that it's an Amnesiac Protagonist is it also gives you that freedom to be like, I'm just a big useless dick and I don't, <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't be given this responsibility and I'm sorry I'm a policeman and, <laughs> yeah. and no one should have let me do this. <laughs> and, and, and not only does it let you do that, but that's not just like a kind of punishment thing. You it encourages other characters to sometimes step in and say, don't worry about it. Or occasionally, mm. yeah, you should be sorry, <laughs> but how do we move on from that? Which is a much more mature position right, for a game yeah. to take than yeah. like, you know, I was thinking about this because I'm I'm still plugging away at Fire Emblem, which I still haven't finished, although I'm getting further and further and further into it. And that is the story of, and I love that game, and it's it, they're opposite games. And one of the reasons is Fire Emblem is very much like, you have no fucking idea who you are, where you are. There are voices in your head, but they're very different to the voices in your head from um, from Disco Elysium. In fact, this would be, be a hell of a mashup. Um, <laughs> um, and now, there are some voices in your head in Fire Emblem yeah, I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, no, one, you know, no one knows who you are, where you came from. Your own dad is a complete stranger to you. Your age is questioned. Mark, do you want to be a big teacher in this school? <laughs> <laughs> and like, at no point does it let you say, "Sorry, I don't know why I'm. I've been put in charge of this. I sh- probably shouldn't be leading children into battle against other children." <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I, lo- I love this Elysium because it lets you kind of roll through it, and, and I think also it helps that it's not like it manages to feel quite high stakes without the stakes actually being mm. there, you know, wildly disproportionate. Like I've gotten to a part, part in it now where something I've done is genuinely kind of sort of shaken the character and therefore by kind of, by virtue of me being that character sort of was very effectively written. It's kind of a, a shocking moment for a few different reasons. And that is achieved with far smaller dramatic parts than most RPGs require to kind of get you to, pay attention mm. to something which is another one of its qualities i think i had a sorry yeah. oh just gonna, the sorry thing is interesting because i think it picks up on something which is unusual at disco elysium where all the choices you can make like in a normal rpg you would see all these choices and you'd think oh that's a valid path through this game but actually disco elysium isn't necessarily setting up the choices mm. that are available to you as equally just if if you see what i mean like mm. Being overly sorry, you get the, you know, you get the sorry cop meter goes up or whatever. But actually, you're just, there's a difference between atonement and being sorry. And uh, it, it points out that maybe just being sorry is just being sad and pathetic. And actually, mm. there are other ways in which you can atone and grow. And, but that's it, hard. But, yeah, but the choices <laughs> it offers you, you might think, oh, this is just, this is the sorry path. I can, I can mm. max out my mm. sorriness. Yeah. And I don't think the game really works like that. And I think a lot of people, and the, the, 
the game sets it, itself up for a lot of criticism by uh, making available things for you to say which are possibly disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think was it a waypoint playthrough? Somebody linked in in our uh, giant bomb was it was giant right? Yeah, and uh, they encountered some dialogue options which I had not come anywhere close to initiating, and it was uh, pretty pretty fucking horrible sexist stuff, and they couldn't seem to, seem to back out of it. Yeah, but the, the thing is. Obviously, I can understand somebody playing that and being like, wow, this game is horrible. I don't understand why I'm being forced to say something that I feel so strongly is wrong. But actually, what the game is doing is saying, you have failed in some prior part of the battle for the the sovereignty of your brain. Like, forces inside your mind have been at war and the wrong side has won. Mm. <laughs> and, but because, and, so you should sort of like look at that dialogue option and think, wow, okay, that's, that's, that's the, it's almost like, uh, a simulation game and your operation of this disheveled man has gone wrong and you have not succeeded. And so he's come to this conclusion where he only has one option to say, but people will think because it's shaped like an RPG that this mm. is like, oh, this is a valid choice. It should express yeah. what I that's feel. Real, and it's not, really, it's not yeah. that. Cause that's a real, I mean, I, I, I go, it's, it's a, like, it's a role playing game. Like, it's the most mm. purest role playing video game that I've come across because mm. it's one where it tells you you're going to occupy this character and you will have some choice over them, but you will also be bound into situations and you will be, have to barrel along with the stuff that's been, you know, that's mm. been, been saddled with. And I think that that is a fucking cool, role-playing situation like a role-playing like a pen and paper on playing games shit if you get total choice over mm. everything you do and who you are and the mm. situations you're in like that you know this is much yeah. purer than that you should be able to say in our, uh, when you're playing a pen and paper role-playing game um, i don't think the right thing would be the right thing yeah. for my character my character would do something stupid yeah. <laughs> at this point and, and then and then that's where the fun of the game comes yeah, from. Yeah. or like or or and i think this is the case of disco elysium where where actually it's it's most interesting because I think you have to trust in the game when when you're when you're given a choice where where your character's going to say something really fucking nasty. Mm. You have to trust in the writers that they, you know, they're going to say something with a, about what he says, and you are part of that. And actually, you know. You know, I trust that the game is going to take you somewhere interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's it's kind of interesting. Like there are many game, there, game, many game makers I would not trust, but that one is I would. Mm. I think my experience with it, like, is it's insane to play this complete shambles character who's barely in control of himself. But are, are, do you have any moderate options as you play through it? it it's sort of. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's, it's the, the thing. Extremes, right? I have ended yeah. up as the sorriest man in the world by yeah. sort of chasing that. The thing is, it it tries to chase you out of that, yeah, or to find. The weaknesses in a moderate position. I got basically. an achievement called "World's Most Laughable Centrist." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that answers my question. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. It's. I mean, I I didn't like the uh, the world and the the political history of the world is really interesting. But almost every time someone tells you about it, you're faced with five dialogue options, four of which are things like all of the middle class must be killed versus <laughs> yeah, uh, corporations are glorious and must worship them versus uh, I think this race should be exterminated versus, uh, oh, I don't know. And so I picked, oh, I don't know quite a lot because <laughs> the other options were insane. Yeah. And then if you do that, it's sort of, it, it feels like a bit of a mismatch really because it's making a point that's legitimate in our world, which is, I think it's legit- legitimate to criticize centrism in our world where there are legitimate <laughs> options that are sort of well thought out and, mm. and reasonable in this world. 
you're being given like a one paragraph summary of what's happened here and then being asked to take like extreme racist position or extreme um, violent uh, uh, communist revolutionary position. And if you don't take either of those, you're a worthless centrist who's like just, you know, ruining the world by not doing anything. anything, I don't know if this is universally the case, but I have noticed that occasionally empathy will crop up and allow you a different option Hmm. in that in those scenarios or something like it because like, often like this is one of the things interesting about it like often the the sort of tenor of your response is depending on who you're talking to like when you're having there's a conversation i think it's on the first night when you talk to kim your partner you can have a more nuanced conversation about what it means to be a police officer in this particular society than you can have with some other people where you might be limited to saying like cops are amazing and completely necessary and i should own a gun or i don't know why i'm like this i'm sorry i should never have had this badge and like (laughs) (laughs) um and and like i've had a couple of circumstances where it's like you understand that this person feels strongly about this so you can take us a different line through it than you can if maybe if like it might be an interesting consequence of being a more logic driven character where you get pushed into more extreme positions because mm. you don't take the empathetic middle it's kind of interesting but I, I agree it does it tries to lay traps for you in terms of not letting you kind of skirt past i think i've i was saying to tom the other day but i kind of see i mean it's probably i don't know whether this is being a bit determinist about it but like this was made by a group of like largely estonian mm-hmm. people who like who come from a country which has reeled from being destroyed by the second world through the second world war taken over you know annexed by a communist nation then reeled out of you know out of glasnost into into hyper capitalism like it's a place where extremes of society have existed over the last sort of 60 70 years and like in it's been written by people mm. who grew up as you know as it reeled from one needle <coughs> you know end of the needle to the other end and like maybe some of what we're experiencing is actually a product more of the fact that we've lived in this kind of incredibly stable fucking country mm. you up know. until a couple of years ago <laughs> <laughs> but like you know I think that you know sort of what we're experiencing now is probably like it's our own glasnost <laughs> a lot of people places in the world they're kind of going what the fuck is the fuss about well right that? I mean so I think this is one of its one of its things it's actually one of its themes that is the most effective is that it's fundamentally about a country that doesn't have control of its own destiny exactly um, yeah. that is auto-governed yeah. by a foreign body that's not a spoiler it's just a, a, a truth of the yeah, universe exactly and that's interesting because there are going to be plenty of players in plenty of places in the world where that is a familiar but underrepresented hmm. way to be because typically your fantasy kingdoms or your sci-fi you know civilizations are at least either premier or defined by being on the fringe and rebelling against what is you know um what is uh you know the status quo in the universe and I think if you are um, British or assume American or or from any other kind of uh, traditionally dominant nation, however you want to put it, that is a fairly unusual thing to encounter as a feeling. Yeah. Like, and it's one thing that I think. I, I basically, I think it's 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 framing of those all those sort of um, political positions is it's definitely not subtle, but it is really complicated. It's it like there's so it, much nuance. They're to laughing it. at the extre- extreme, like anybody mm. who has an extreme opinion is laughed at in the game. But also, there's this kind of helplessness, as if you can only get anything done if you have anything. Right, and that opinion. it's also natural to take an extreme position when 
you are extremely disempowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, the, some of the most, you know, the, the, the first sort of really ardent royalist, because there is a, a royal history to the country hmm. you meet is still wearing his uniform, but he's just, and he's furious and all he's doing is rolling little metal balls at a wooden ball forever. Like, and he's angry about that and he's angry about everything else. And it's this sort of impotent rage. And it's sort of, it's like everyone is sort of, um, in this, uh, man, I can't talk about this game for any length of time without becoming a huge twat. Uh, <laughs> the, it's, it, the, everything, the one thing that's good about it is, uh, you're not engaging with heads of state, right? You're not, like, the mystery isn't who's, you know, kidnapped the president's family. You've got to save him, drunk detective. Like, um, well, that'd be a very different game. <laughs> like Disco Contra. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it is, you're just dealing with people who exist in very kind of liminal kind of, spaces in this world and the place you know the place that the you know the game is is set is explicitly between yeah. you know different districts in a sort of forgotten place it's an orphaned place is its way of describing it yeah and i liked all the people i met their perspectives all made sense to me and felt mm. nuanced and felt sympathetic and like here's here's our best attempt at like what someone who believes this would say and how they justify it but then my responses are always the uncharted version of that or just like exaggerated to comical mm. extents mm. right i think there's like there is a sort of um like extent to which you're sort of uh you're there to explore all these different positions from your not blank actually blank slate and it kind of reminds me in a way of like you're kind of digging through all the different layers of hell of this place right like all the different individual little mini hells everybody lives in and you kind of sample them all and you can choose to sort of say yes this is the one for me and then you <laughs> and then you move on from it you know what i mean like there's a few different ways in which it works and the fact that it works as that and also as you know, some quite humane kind of kitchen sinky drama is, I think, one of its kind of great assets. Desperately, desperately glad it has a sense of humour because it's very funny. It's, it's very, very funny, genuinely. And without that, I couldn't pull myself through it. I think. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, you're right. That, that darkness is there for sure. And your relationship with uh, your partner Kim is just really good because mm. he is he sort of by necessity kind of has to be a bit of a straight man because you are the absolute train wreck of the partnership, <laughs> and they can't they can't be sure that you will you know, even have the basic skills to get through anything. And so Kim has to kind of be there to like, in case you can't figure this out, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a little hint. Um, <laughs> and that, quite so sweet, he's, actually. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, naturally yeah. a straight man, but, and that could have been really boring, but they make it work really well because he's uh, incredibly understanding and patient with you, but he does have his opinion on what you're doing. <laughs> he will tell you, uh, I don't see why we're doing this. This seems like a total waste of time. And uh, like 90% of the time he's right, but every now and then I've got some fixation in my head. There was a, a situation where like, there's just a door that I cannot open and there's uh, no kind of skill uh, check that, that seems to work. And then I go and talk to someone and they just mention the word smooth talking and I just rhetoric gets up in their head and says, oh yeah, smooth talking. That's how we open that door. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay, I'll go back. And it's like an impossible check. It's like it's, you have to get 20 on two dice. And so the, the skill that you need to add to it is going to be significant. But I was already a specialist in rhetoric. So I'm like, well, this is my main quest now. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to talk this door open. And every time I came back there, Kim's like, come on, what are we doing here? This is, why, do you, why do you even want to get in there? There's no reason to go in there. We have no reason to believe there's any kind of evidence in there. And then eventually, I won't spoil any details quest line but eventually i did it i got enough, high enough rhetoric i rolled the right thing on the dice and i talked my way into the door and he's like <laughs> oh you have to be kidding me <laughs> it's really good like there's um I, there's a bit where you basically get to set how many how hard you want a quest to be 
someone says like how many of these things are you going to find oh, and yeah. i just and it was a fit of like you know what i am good at being a police i'm going to find all of them <laughs> and then the quest description in the actual journal says you're probably not <laughs> this is really <laughs> this is really hard you can say i'm going to find one of them yeah i said that <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm ready to commit to finding and one now of I, can't com- I can't complete that as i get all of them now and so i've just i've just fucked it like i think one thing i would add is like one of the reasons it's really good is because it sets you off in a position of like it's impossible to get through the opening of that game and you see a million people tweeting like I died trying to get my tie at the start of the game. Yeah. One of the reasons it's important it starts with that stuff is because you cannot survive the opening sequence without a character who's busted in some way. And I think that means that you're in a more sort of empathetic position from the beginning than if you in a traditional RPG where create slightly dodgy character versus create you know golden glimmering paladin is a choice you make at the beginning and then you know the game has to kind mm. of respect both there's no way you get to pre-select actually i'm great and there, it allows you to play off pathos in some really interesting ways i don't want to talk about the details but i think the scene that plays out if you get to the end of the first day without enough money to pay for your room at the hotel bar um is really really lovely like it's a really good scene between you and kim mm. and it gives you the opportunity to like go on a high horse about some stuff uh which is completely undeserved and that's a really interesting kind of like journey to go on where i don't want to talk, i don't want to talk about it, but basically it allows like <laughs> it puts you in a position where you have to have a more nuanced relationship with other people's failings because you're a complete train wreck mm. and if you decide to go through the game as actually i'm an amazing detective and i'm going to take a very hard moral stance and everything you've already undermined it before the game's even started yeah. so you can't just you can't Paragon. It's such a good. It's such a good move for an RPG to let you create your character or to pick one of the yeah. archetypes, and they go, "Ooh, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was a bad choice." It'd be like if if, if, if Mass Effect opens right yeah. and Shepard is hoisted up by the monolith and gets the vision from the Protheans, and then he or she shits themselves, <laughs> <laughs> and every, everyone is like, "You, we, we agree. You've got some very important information hidden in your brain." You were great in a lot of other ways, and we all think you should be put in charge, but everyone knew this happened. (laughs) (laughs) And it would change the tenor of that relationship. I think it would actually help with some of the space dad stuff later on, (laughs) where it's like, actually, I've never made a mistake, and I'm great at everything, and I can just paragon my way through your life's problems and reunite with your dad, or maybe I'm your dad now, or whatever it is. Um, With a little tenor of like, but that one time when I crap myself (laughs) would help balance the whole thing out. That's basically Mm -hmm. Disco Elysium. But what I'm saying is Disco Elysium can be applied to any game, and it makes it better. But it's shepherd, like, yeah. well, the cool thing is that, like, yeah, you're a complete chain wreck and you kind of accept, accept that. But when you're, when your detective, like, does some fucking cool police work and they've kind of just figured something out and you're a part of that, it feels so good. And oh, you man, kind of go, the, oh, you good guy. Like, the, oh, you saw all the footprints. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Why the why visual that, calculus skill is fucking incredible. Why yeah. does that feel so good? Because it's not really me who's doing anything. <laughs> but it does, does though. It feels like it does just though. Some proper so good. CSI think, shit. <laughs> because you're gunning for him like you want you i think that's what it is like he's, he's yeah. the underdog right like he's, yeah like he's in a terrible terrible position and you're kind of like oh my faith in him has been repaid you know like mm. uh, you know we're with him and like for know. me it was uh like that was the character i set out to build was i went for intelligence and i wanted to be yeah. i wanted to be monk or mm. poirot or whatever i wanted to um uh, just kind of like be the guy who walks in and just sees the whole thing happen and so that skill is the perfect like embodiment of that um and the first time the, the footprints thing you are identifying eight different people's footprints who walked back and forth repeatedly over the same thing to the point that you can identify like that one of them has asymmetrical treads and stuff it's an insane level of detail but i, I feel like we we've all played uh, a similar version of this game and i wonder what the game is like 
uh, for people who have gone down, I'm a whole, you know, choices. Mm. There's a, when you wake up, there's a, a, a woman who lived, who, who's staying in the room next to you. And at certain point she goes back into the room and apparently you, you knock on the door, you can hear a shower starting and there's an option to try and break down the door. Now I'm pretty sure if my character tried to do that, they would break their foot and die. <laughs> but there are characters out there who would be able to knock that door down. And I wonder what you become. Uh, mm. after you make that choice and whether there is any kind of possible redemption <laughs> for your character. Because the, the other weird thing about the game is it, it, there are explicit suggestions on the tooltips for you to pick weird choices or outlandish yeah. choices. And actually, I don't think that is good advice. <laughs> like, mm. I think you can send yourself down some pretty dark paths by doing, oh, I'll do that for a lark. You know, yeah, my that- one comment to kill the rich and I'm suddenly a communist, you know. Ooh. Yeah, that, that may be a little bit timid about doing anything crazy. Because, yeah. And I think that that example we saw in the Giant Bomb video where the person was kind of locked into a horrible choice. Yeah, I wonder was, what they did. I, I I remember that the a conversation that precedes that, that relates to it, uh, I remember saying something along the lines of, to myself, uh, hey, can we do this without all the internalized misogyny? And so hmm. I bet at that juncture, there's another option that if you, maybe they pick that as an experiment just to see like, oh, what happens when you say this? And that, the game sort of thought, oh, you're that kind of person. And now... Well, my interaction with the character that precedes that conversation was the one that earned me the most sorry cop (laughs) (laughs) achievement. So I think I went down quite a different path. I love... There are times when... um, And this this is a thing that comes up in D&D as well, where uh, you roll... I rolled an empathy check and I failed it. uh, And my empathy check was to to determine, like, is she mad at me? And I failed it. And my options are like, no, she's not mad at me. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we're going to do a fantasist playthrough when we get stuck into it this weekend so there's a moment at the very very beginning of the game where you look into the mirror and you don't have to do that you don't have to know yeah i didn't know i didn't like. for like two days yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit that's how you get a portrait yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> um are you without a portrait yeah yeah it's just, it's just a blur with a nose you can, you can also try and pass <laughs> which i feel is in some ways quite fitting but. you can also try and pass a check to undo whatever your facial expression is yeah otherwise yes. you grin like an idiot in your profile pic in your yeah, yeah, yeah. a long-term quest is to try and wipe the horrible expression off your face yeah. <laughs> i actually managed it quite quickly there's a, there's a moment where you, um it asks you to interpret your own facial expression because you don't know what emotion you're yeah. exhibiting <laughs> what <am I> doing? <laughs> uh, which is an extraordinary yeah. rpg decision to make yeah. uh, and i chose i'm a superstar yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i want to follow that track all the way to the wherever yeah, that i'm goes. really interested to see how that works out cause... just a kind of absolutely deluded fantasist who just thinks he's fucking amazing like, it's funny because one of its one of his very early kind of things it insists on you is like you will sing karaoke here and that is like that is a perfect example that is a perfect example of an intrusive thought i think like, that does happen right like that that is the process you go through and it's like you you should sing meatloaf <laughs> Like, no. Mm. <laughs> Have you ever found that listening back to this podcast has been a perfect illustration of the multiplicity of one's <laughs> own being? <laughs> it is kind of fascinating because uh, you joke, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, the... Um, I don't think that at all. Why the fuck did I say that? <laughs> well, it's also, the, it's also the other way around, which is when you are doing the talking into the microphones, it's getting kind of meta now, hmm. um, you're very aware of what you're not saying or whether the thing you said was exactly what you meant to say or whether you should have come in now or whether you should have let someone else talk or hmm. whether they're waiting to talk, whether they're just 
you know, thinking or, or whatever. And then when you listen back, you can't hear that at all because the voices have gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know, the, the yeah. recording is just. Well, that was an awkward pause. And then you listen to it back and it was like, oh, no, it doesn't. No, it wasn't. It was just, <laughs> was fine. that was like the, you know, the screaming jar was opened in my mind because there was momentary <laughs> silence. I could hear that. No one else could. Definitely one of the 24, uh, skills in a podcaster RPG creation tree, uh, is the urge to interrupt others when you think you have something to say. And I definitely listen to some podcasts where a couple of the hosts have too many points in that skill. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just let them finish the damn sentence? They were saying something like it was relevant to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, self cross talk forgiveness impulse would be one of them. Like it's okay that we're cross talking. Everyone's having fun. Yeah. Man. Podcast Elysium. I'm going to have another glass of whiskey. Tom, can you pass me the bottle? <laughs> another thing I loved was, uh, the, so you get bonuses from clothes and, um, uh, that leads to, you just hoard all the clothes you find. And what you wear is, is for me at least was just a random assortment of things that happened Good to noise. support all my intellectual skills. But then every now and then I needed to lie. And so I needed all of my drama clothes. <laughs> and so every time I need to lie before I get into the conversation, I'm like, okay, put on my drama kimono, my drama string vest and my drama bow tie. <laughs> Kim's just watching you thinking one time. <laughs> yeah. Cause on. I guess I also have to take off the other clothes. first. Actually, I realized that the anecdote I said on the previous podcast was actually wrong. Your, my trousers and shoes don't improve my esprit de corps, my knowledge of what police might be doing. They improve my staff warfare. Mm. So oh, they reduce it, right? Maybe, sorry, they reduce my savoir faire. So yes, I, had to... I went back and put points in savoir faire in order to make the check you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, but that's why I had to take my trousers and shoes off in order to do a cool jump. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's fun to contrast the discussions about the outer worlds and disco elysium just to see like how much meat on the bone there mm. is of this game yeah. compared to t- typical rpgs mm. which is a huge part of yeah appeal. and it doesn't oh, yeah. you could absolutely i actually found myself kind of uh, wanting a sort of spin-off game or just a game that's inspired by this where it's way less heavy like you could do a, just a fun comedy version of this like mm. it's so mm. lends itself to comedy so naturally um, and also you don't need 24 of these fucking skills. <laughs> there were like yeah. four different hunch skills. It's crazy. I sort of wonder though, if some of the reason it's funny comes from the fact that it's also kind of real, <laughs> you know, like as in like sort of comedy, good comedy kind of follows truth around, I think. And there's sort of like, there, there are things in Disco Elysium that are per, like personally quite raw and can be quite evocative in its depiction mm. of actual pain. Not like, uh, not like the demon lord blew up my dad pain, but like. <laughs> it's a very real pain, Chris. Yeah, I think you're belittling this pain. Yeah. But it's like they're saying something stupid in front of someone you respect. Yeah. Pain. Like yeah. every day. Or, of, and so, then, you know, yeah. as it get, as it meanders and digs into different directions, there's, you know, the, it, it gets into some of life's bigger wells of agony. You know, they're all there, all the hits. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, I think that's one of the reasons it works as comedy. Like a lot of comedy games, um, or games that purport to be comedies first and foremost struggle to stick that landing because nothing matters in that world and therefore nothing's really that not that comedy requires someone to be an asshole necessarily but like I think you know there's a there's a fine tonal balance for good comedy where it sort of sits on the edge of you know kind of slightly too embarrassing mm. to bear versus well there's no real connection between the comedy of most comedy games and the world in which they operate like right. borderlands comedy it's just some funny lines that are played over a game in which you go around shooting little space dogs you know mm. whereas this everything that's funny in that game is about the situation that you're specifically right in. yeah that's one yeah that's that was the entire yeah no, no, no sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> Look for greater depth was none yeah <laughs> 
No, that's completely right. Like it, it's, it's actually, and that's extremely rare in games actually that like, cause games can be great vehicles for jokes, like point and click adventures traditionally are. Yeah. And this kind of is a point and click adventure really. It's just isometric. Um, but they very rarely, um, sort of, well, and in six, in terms of embodying that into the, what you're doing in the game, they very rarely do it without becoming real meta for a bit. Right. Like without drawing attention to the fact that it's weird to do this. Hmm. Like this realism has some little bits like that, but really it's just about like the game continually prompting you to make more, more, more and more interesting decisions about this character rather than it setting out to here's the comedy character, right? Like I I don't think you'd say very many of the characters are there to deliver gags at all. No. Apart from maybe you. (laughs) Yeah. Or Kudo. Is it Kudo? Oh, Kuno. Kuno. Kuno, sorry. Yeah. Even that, even then though. There's a poignant stuff going on. And yeah, there's, yeah, and yeah. there's some real terror there. Like when, mm-hmm. you know, like the fear of being confronted by a shitty kid definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely has strong, more willpower than you. I walked up the hill the other day and a kid was riding his bicycle behind me and kind of doing wheelies behind me, threatening mm-hmm. to kind of crush me with his front wheel. I don't really know what I what I could do in that yeah, situation exactly. to alleviate that kind of uh, oh I'm going to get killed by a child <laughs> terror. <laughs> and if I turn around and shout at him, I'm going to look uncool, which right. is even worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the power game of that is yeah. very very delicate and a real source of anxiety. What you're going to do, boring thirty five year old man, thirty six year old? I don't even know how old I am. <laughs> Your face is just a blur with the nose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even matter. Exactly, and that's one of the things it, it, it grasps so well like that mm. and that is like such a rich source of like profound interactive anxiety that it's a miracle games don't go there right that's interesting because like in um peace gamer chat i don't think chris would mind me saying this but like chris livingston was completely baffled by this he was like he said why do european comedies and dramas have people being bullied by teenagers <laughs> and it was like, it, like yeah that happens in space that happens in peep show yeah have yeah. you met european teenagers <laughs> yeah but it's like does that not it, happen in the States? It must have been in the States. Well, what he said was... I've uh, been to the States. I lived in the States. What he said amazingly was... They were chased um, by shitty children all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I never left the house on the basis that I might be shot by shitty children. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what he said was, um, in the UK, they just call you a twat. But in the US, they've got guns. Right. Uh, so, I mean, right. the stakes are just in a completely different place. Oh. But it's, it's about, this is social anxiety, isn't it? It's the, mm. it's the power imbalance. You can't shout at them. You can't hit them. There's a lot of, you there is, want I to, think you can insulate a whole... yourself in the US a bit more as well. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, Chris, that's actually a really interesting point. And maybe it was way beyond the discussion of Disco Elysium, but yeah. it's like <laughs> way beyond it. But it's like the assumed power differential is very different mm. in terms of what is possible. In right, encounter yeah. with a stranger. It's a tension it, over what you can do rather yeah. than uh, over what's going to happen to you. Yes. <laughs> there is a whole scene about this in uh, Louis, the TV mm. show. Oh, um, yeah. That is, I can't remember how old the guy was. I feel like he was sort of teenage, uh, maybe an older teen, um, who just kind of completely humiliates Louis and just exerts power over him just by threatening violence, basically. And Louis just sort of realizes there's no rational... Uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense for me to fight back in this situation. So the guy completely runs all over him. And it's, it reminded me a lot of like the same scenes in space and stuff, but mm. that was the American version. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I think there's, yeah, it's definitely more complicated than that, but it, it maybe is particularly European kind of vibe. The, this shitty kid is yelling at me and I can't really do anything, but I'm locked in this sort of like every route, every route from here is failure kind of power play where the only way to win is to not to play, but that also means you lose. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the team I should have talked about in my exam. Wheelies behind me. I actually, yeah, I'm frightened of the urteen. <laughs> <laughs> On your continent, do you have him? <laughs> Reject it. Because <laughs> if you do, I'd rather stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually emigrating to get away from the earth. <laughs> I see there are, there are social situations that threaten to make you a child again if you lose your mm. temper. And I described one of the. the, the oh, yeah. Oh, God. God. Oh, oh, I'll manage to tell the story because oh, this is yeah. a full on like, disco you're, Elysium kind you're, of You're, you're yeah, genuinely is, my true hero <laughs> as a result of this. Oh, yes. Uh, so this is my uh, like shambles man disco Elysium story. <laughs> uh, so I was on an incredibly busy train to Brighton, and that's a long trip from Bath at many different stops carrying luggage around for a weekend everyone's stressed everyone's tired trains oversold as fucking always um so i go sit down next to a chap and uh he's sitting in a reserved seat and i've i've picked that seat because it's not reserved um happens a few moments later a woman comes up and she says oh excuse me that that's my reserved seat so uh, we both stand up and shuffle out she goes in sits in her reserved seat but then that fucker takes my seat he just sits right down where I just was. And this is a, like, this is a crisis of etiquette <laughs> on British trains. Like, I, So you had to get up because his seat was the window seat and you correct, were the aisle seat. So correct. She, for her to get to her legitimate reserve seat, you had to get up to let him out. Yeah. And he used the opportunity to just steal. Yes. To just <laughs> fucking audaciously fucking take that, that space from me. And... I I screamed, I just said, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> like that. Uh, it just came out of me. There was like it bypassed all of my normal kind of like social norms checks. And um, did you fail like a mitigate volume check? Yeah, everything. Every, every fucking check. And I, I just yelled at this guy on the train, and uh, he started just babbling like, "I was here first. I was on the train first. I was like, oh, that's no fucking excuse. I didn't say that to him. This thing starts not how the rules work. Yeah, you broke the rules." you did something wrong um but then i realized like how like yeah that moment of terrifying self-awareness <laughs> where it's almost like you step outside of your body and it's like what are you doing <laughs> and uh i i sort of just wandered down the down the coach and felt is that, fucking furious for hours is that, <laughs> is that the shivers it? skill in yeah. Elysium, the one that yeah. you sort of see everything from like a yeah. zoomed out perspective that yeah. that tom senior is also now moving to canada <laughs> <laughs> So I've been in the, I've been the reverse of that, where... Well, where, you did this crime. No, no, <laughs> no so... What the so, fuck am I doing? <laughs> so I was I was the man, right? Yes. And so we, I, we both had to get out. And then I let that person go. Like, I sort of motioned for the person who we was gave in up the free seat, seat yeah. to take the one I was in. And no. that person said, no, that's no, fine. Because they understood the rules. Yeah, so yeah. wait, Alex, you, were you, you in the reserved seat originally? So I was in the reserved seat. Uh, yeah, and so mm. yeah, which is the window seat, and yeah, like so, we both got out, got up to let the person into the reserve seat. I was probably not going to get my seat, yeah. and that person who was in the unreserved seat said, "You take," huh. because obviously I was there first. In right. the same, I assume in the you same forced dynamic, them I into there. the seat. Yeah, I looked at point. them like right. really shit. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> get in that damn I'm seat. About to say this? <laughs> no, like, and, but but that is the right thing because. 
Morally, it probably is the first person, but it do- doesn't work. No, like no, not morally. No, 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 no. First person. No, no. No, Alex. Alex, no. He made his choice. He sat in a reserved seat when there was a non-reserved one exactly. available. If he wanted a non-reserved seat, you sit in the non-reserved seat. Although, yeah, although maybe, maybe he was thinking, if I sit in an outside seat with yeah, an empty seat next to me, then I'm the bigger twat. Yeah, yeah that's also bad. Much smaller twat. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. What was what was the reserved um, system? Was it with a ticket thing or was it with a little screen thing? Lights. It was little lights. lights. It was completely clear. There. Right, it was clear. It yeah, was clear. Yeah. He he gambled. He lost. Yeah. And as I said in a Slack message, he should have retired from the battlefield like a gentleman <laughs> <laughs> instead of having this ridiculous confrontation with a very sweaty man. Tom, what would you have done if he'd said if he had uh, like gestured for you to take the seat? Like I'd be like, well, that's what expected. Of course, like, <laughs> yeah. fucking of course. <laughs> Get out of it. I think that's reasonable, but yeah. I think the- I would have said thank you, for and no then he, reason and then he would have limped. Really painfully <laughs> off up the aisle, yeah, yeah. weeping slightly, inadvertently, but you know, trying to maintain you know his my, dignity. My piles, he says. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he'd have said, <laughs> "Yeah, piles is better off standing up." <laughs> if he'd have, if he'd have, like said, Mate, uh, "Please, do you mind if I take the seat?" I would have let him have it. That's what's so fucked about mm. this. Like, like, like a little bit of courtesy and just the it was the audacity and expectation. Yes, what I'm trying to something. what I was trying to determine is whether in that moment you were capable of setting up a rally because a traditional <laughs> like a traditional rally is kind of the normal outcome where mm. he says, "Oh, do you want to take the seat?" and you say, "No, don't worry about it. You were here first because you don't agree with that." Yeah, but you understand what his logic might be. You say you're a better person you, than me. You, in that you, you, ba- you basically both make the case for each other to each other. Yeah, mm. and then neither of you agree. <laughs> And then probably the first person to go sits down. Well, yeah, I mean, so what you're saying is he felt his rhetoric check and Tom felt all of his checks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think Tom was in the right, but he yeah. just felt like a volume check, right? No, like, I, it was the overreaction that was, was I felt yeah, very exactly. guilty about later because don't be, as I said, don't be the guy shouting on the train ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like a D10 roll for like whether yeah. you, you know, what level you deliver this message at. Cause yeah. like, like that could have been a, Hey, what are you doing? Like it could have yeah, been but, a, Hey man, like this is an unreserved seat. You, you took a reserved one. What are you doing? But it kind of like, came out at yeah. nine. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been worse if it was quieter. If I'd have sort of leaned in and went, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that, that would have actually been much more, much worse, I think. Than, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So don't I don't, don't sound like you're going to murder him. Like, I know, right? <laughs> there are so many... I love that this anecdote is coming out of the podcast. <laughs> there, there are so many situations where I wish I could summon you to say that to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like, a fan, like a final fantasy summon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very long animation starts as Tom <laughs> yeah, from from orbit just mutes him <laughs> what the fuck are you doing yeah then the damage number just comes up like WTF <laughs> did you see him as you disembarked what's that sorry did you see him again when you, as you disembarked no no I didn't uh, we didn't make eye contact he seemed alarmed um, but the thing is if I if I I'm, I'm not like a larger imposing or intimidating person at all but if I'd somehow bullied him out of that seat imagine that poor woman having to mm. sit next to me um, <laughs> a, a sh- shouting yelling bully <laughs> for the rest of the journey I, I feel the opposite like I, if I was her I would be like oh my god I gotta sit next to this fucking seat stealing awful prick lizard <laughs> this lizard fiend what would have been human great skin if he, what would have been great if he'd gone I'm so sorry you're right and he'd moved and then he'd looked at the empty seat and said I can't take this now. And so you'd left as well. And she was just sat there next to nobody. <laughs> she puts her bag there, which is also a crime, by the that way. That is also a crime. Oh, well, she, yeah, what if she got into the seat and you're both about to get into the fight over it? And then, yeah, she put the bag put down, the bag down. down. Denied. Denied if you could sit Denied. There. <laughs> Don't go on British public transport unless you're British and understand the very complex. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, 
or never be i mean so you failed it and be the don't be the first person to get angry about something yes but you the the other trick the thing the other guy failed is don't be the first person to make a decision yeah mm. right like he you've made, got to negotiate. There's However, no negotiation. You've yeah. you, or you've got to at least make the overture. You've got to go like, yeah. hmm? huh? I'm, I'm willing to discuss. Mm. I, I don't want to back down. I do but not. You I were do, talking it, about the ideal uh, short form disco Elysium game. Here we are. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Just one seat on a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new interactive this fiction game. Uh, this, in is game. <laughs> this is a game jam. This is a game jam, James. We should jam this. Jam this. Oh, that was a diversion. But I feel. Better. That was cathartic. Kind of like saying it yeah. into a microphone that millions of people might listen to. Millions? Millions? <laughs> not millions. <laughs> no, not millions. <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, good. So, uh, we, any other games people want to talk about? I was going to mention one very briefly because I haven't played enough of it to think, but it's just really interested me because I haven't played a game quite like it. It's called Radio Commander. Mm. And it is uh, set in the Vietnam War, and you are a radio commander, mm. which means that you have a map and you have a view outside your tent of kind of soldiers doing push-ups and things, and <laughs> you have a telephone. Uh, None of these things are a radio. push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to order them around at all. What? <laughs> Instead, you, command you get commander, to are you? call up your troops who are out in on the map, like in in the the in the vietnam <laughs> and um you ask them where they are you ask them tell them where to go you ask them what their status is you ask them whether they can see enemy enemies and you're marking them back as you go mm. along sort of keep piecing together what they're doing oh so you're not visually seeing where they not are not seeing where they are you just, just have told. a map and you can oh put markers God. on it and you can move them around and you can draw on the map arrows to remind yourself what's happening and um and you are like there are conversations that start up as you're kind of doing I'm not sure they're very well done but like <laughs> the idea is cool um and um and like and they get into a firefight and suddenly it's a strategy game where you can't see what's happening all your all you know is where they reported they were last time you checked and um it's pretty cool there's a game where I I liked Again, the very much the idea of, um, years and like in back in 95 or something like that wow. called Pacific Air War, which, um, I think there are games kind of similar to it, but basically it's a game where, uh, you're on, uh, you one, you, you're either the Americans or the Japanese mm. in the Pacific War, World War Two, and you are in command of a fleet and you've got to wipe out the other fleet and you don't know where they are in the Pacific. So you're setting sail with your groups of ships and you're sending out planes um, to spot mm. them. You send them out in fan shapes. Like and complicated they will, battleship. And what you'll get is, uh, a, like, from what they see, a heading and their speed. So you can kind of guess where they've gone by the time you get to them and like it's this sort of cat and mouse where you don't know where they are and and i always found that idea of like there's you know when in a normal strategy game when you can see stuff moving around there is an awful lot of mystery like and there's often not all that much magic because they sometimes move in slightly weird ways and not don't behave in particularly kind of cogent or credible ways but when you don't know, suddenly you can pull all sorts of fucking stuff on them. So the Viet Cong, what are they doing when you're kind of like, why did they, why were they going northeast? Like, what, were they trying to flank you? Did they know about you? Did, 
Hmm. Was there another way? Like, is there, an- is there another group out there that's going to get you on the way back? So you're actually quite worried because you're always che- like, continually hmm. checking in with them to see that, the, you know, state is okay and where are you? Are you nearly back? Are you nearly back? And um, it's really nice to be done. The only problem is, like, the dialogue... So I don't, I mean, this is kind of irrelevant to whether it's any good or not, but I don't, it's not made by Americans. It's, still, it's all American acted and things, but the voice work isn't great and definitely the script isn't that good. Like, so it, it's like the first couple of missions is all I played. Definitely does the standard things that do you do when you're doing a Vietnam drama. They like, they do the kind of like, why are we, why are we, why are we doing helping these people? They just hate us. And it's like, I don't know. I guess you have to do that kind of thing with a Vietnam kind of drama, but at the same time, you've got to be smart about it. And this isn't smart. It just feels wrong, and the voice work isn't good enough to support a bad bad script in the first place. But um, but like the idea of patchy information and then conversations with people like in the field, you never see them, and you know, like you can develop relationships with them is really cool and like it's really spare like you know Mm. and at the end of uh, the mission you get to see exactly what happened so you see all of the different Mm. markers and where they moved it precisely cool and um yeah it's pretty cool like um yeah i will play more and probably talk about it more but um what's that one called radio commander radio commander that's right reminds me of kind of like dark mode frozen scena that kind of stuff there's also like early um really really gritty war sims like theater of war series that also take Fog of War really deadly seriously. Oh, right. And, and does actually like how far an infantry unit could possibly see. And you might get blips of info as you're moving into a town, but you don't necessarily know where they're going to end up. So it's that second guessing, moving into uncertain space that's part of the drama of the yeah. game. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah, very, um, uh, organic game, very really analog game. It also made me think of Ruse. Yeah, right. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. RTS Much with a... Unloved. Underrated, though. Yeah, where you could sort of, like, you could place a decoy unit or a real unit, and the enemy didn't know which one it was which, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Ruse was uh, Amplitude Origins. It was That was the yeah. team that absconded from Ubisoft to uh, make right. end, the, all the Endless games. So oh, yeah, right. Hence oh, why it had legit strategy chops. Really? Yeah. yeah. I Good did not know that's where it came from. It was Ubisoft Paris, I think. Right. And, or, or at least uh, yeah, it was yeah. a French Ubisoft studio and then mm. became, well, the people became Amplitude. I remember when wow. coming to the, visit the office. You wrote about that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how the game worked at all when I wrote <laughs> about it. It was mostly bullshit. <laughs> the great underrated RTS series is um, Eugen Systems games. Um, if you just look, look Google Eugen Systems, you'll find their sort of kind of NATO era uh, war games that are very, very massive scale. Mm. Really, really cool. Hmm. Have there been any good games about the Vietnam War? Do you mean good in like representative or good mm, as in yeah. like, you know... They play Credence Clearwater Revival, and you're in a, you're in a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, the former, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, uh, for example, Bad Company Two had a, a Vietnam expansion was yeah amazing, but not at all respectful. Of that yeah, no, no. I, I'm looking at something that really is, in some way, insightful about the, I Magic of Vietnam. So, the what? Magic of Vietnam. <laughs> Trod the line a little bit with some elements. <laughs> but... <laughs> I forgot that existed. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I forgot they did that. Yeah, God. <laughs> What is that? Hang on, I've missed something here. Yeah. Uh, there was an expansion for Magicka called Magic of Vietnam. Oh just... shit, there was. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah right. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Brilliantly, uh, but also right. Well, so there's case. a real, there's a real crucial distinction here. Are you talking about Vietnam, the war movie genre, or Vietnam, hmm. the war? 
which oh really i mean yeah. I, I mean even the there's not actually that many. I mean, there's a, there's a cod that is. Uh, I think black ops. A black ops. Yeah, black that ops. is. I mean, but it's. Yeah, quite... I think I think something that would be interesting is like. So I I lived in Vietnam for a while, and mm. um, the uh, obviously I'm trying to so the the one of the things that was interesting to me was, and I don't want to say this is universally true, but the sense that. What, what is perceived in cinema and, and in the West is, you know, the Vietnam War, which is the war with, you know, between the United States and the South Vietnam, Vietnamese army and, and the Viet Cong is really one of several wars yeah. that dovetailed into each other, which have their origins in, yeah. um, Vietnam as a French colony and the collapse of that and, and, and so on. And so, and obviously things like the real and long edition of Apocalypse Now touch somewhat on some of that by just acknowledging that, you know, some of, some of that stuff, but not a lot. Mm. And so I think like, you know, a good representative Vietnam game would really be a, uh, a simulation to some extent of a very comp, like of a, a complex in, and very compromising moment in like Cold War geopolitics, basically. Like, yeah, I don't think you could, I don't, these days, I don't think you could tell it without being from the Vietnamese. Yes, I think it would have to be from the Vietnamese perspective. Because, and that definitely is fucking not being done in any Western. Right. Creative. And that would be a really interesting yeah. perspective to explore from a few different sides. Like, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting perspective from the North Vietnamese perspective. It's an interesting, uh, But it's weird how it's died out of even like a mainstream American uh, language to just discuss it. Like, I mean, when Platoon was like the last kind of significant, right, uh, Vietnam film this, I can think of. And then, you know, what, where do you go from that? It's, you know, uh, well, if you, you know, the thing is, there's the, I mean, it's not fiction, but the documentary, um, Ken, you know, the big, Loach. No, it's a big documentary. It's on Netflix and it is very, 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 very long. <laughs> I think every episode is two hours and there are six of them. Oh my God. It's, um, what is the name of the documentary, uh, technique where the, the, the camera pans into a picture and kind of, and sort of goes around, moves in, zooms and pans. It's a specific word and specific term. That is the maker of this series. Like the name <laughs> of a man and this is that he. I know what you mean. And series. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> yeah, so. Anyway, it's very, very, very good. And it definitely is very clear about the fact that the American Vietnam War is, is only part of a mm. great big thing. But hmm. I think like this, it's interesting. Like in terms of the, the subsequent sort of, um, originally to think about the, I think you're right. Games haven't really addressed. Vietnam as a setting mm. much lately. I think one thing that's interesting about that is maybe people are a little bit more sensitive about the fact that it's not just a cinematic genre. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, you know, like it, it, it was a thing that happened. The other thing is that possibly, well, one would hope, but I think that's probably not the case. Right. right? But also <laughs> I think, ah, uh, man, this is a bit of a, a big point for two glasses of whiskey, but like it's, go for it. There's a, so, so much subsequent pop culture addresses Vietnam one way or another. Right. From the, you know, in every possible genre, hmm. right? Like, you know, you can make arguments for everything from Star Wars to Dawn of the Dead as, you know, kind of responses to particular kinds of, um, the sort of lasting effect of that war on the psyche of American pop culture, yeah. basically. I would argue that it has been supplanted in the popular imagination in terms of its sort of cultural significance by, uh, 9-11 and the war on terror. 
that's exactly right. Yeah, that's in, exactly in the terms point of which it disappears from the the, the kind of yeah. common argot. It's weird, or it, it becomes it, it has a brief moment as huh. a kind of retro sort of cool thing almost. Like yeah. you remember when it was all Jimi Hendrix and Credence and helicopters, um, and then it goes to being everything is nine eleven imagery. Whether you're talking about cinema mm-hmm. or you're talking about games or, or the consequences the war on terror and 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 that whole thing right like it's it's you know where if you're talking about um uh sort of you know powerful or, or imperialist powers entrenched in in endless sort of conflicts the frame yeah. of reference for that has moved from vietnam to the middle east and you know the the sort of yeah like well it's interesting the reason i i, I mentioned this is actually because in the back of my head i was thinking about the the punisher series um because uh, rich stanton mm. lent me the garth ennis uh punisher books and a lot of them i, I appreciate this is a bit of a diversion the a lot of them are, are about uh vietnam and the punisher is super old in these books by the way so he he was like a young man in vietnam and um they are Garth Ennis books, and there's a lot of good stuff in them, and really, really terrible Garth Ennisy stuff in them. <laughs> but at their best, they are talking about Vietnam, and there's some of the kind of the most uh, clear-sighted and interesting things about uh, how Vietnam affected people, essentially. In in those in uh, Valley Forge, Valley Forge, I think is like the kind of the old the ending mm. series of comics about the Punisher, and they're they're really, really, really good. And that's that's what kind of just uh, popped into my head when you started talking about this i was thinking wow god yeah why hasn't that subject really been delved into in greater depth by games in pop culture because there's there's a really rich mine but it's it's also interesting that you know punisher updated oh he's a afghanistan right. uh, <clears throat> war hero yeah know? right and it sort of makes you know the, they did exactly the same thing with uh, iron man in, yeah, I mean, in, obviously, they can't make these people like fucking seventy, <laughs> right? Or whatever. But nonetheless, but right, at the, like, same time. the same the same switch takes place, kind yeah. of quote unquote logically. But it right? also means that those uh, histories have sort of been erased in a weird way, right? Um, I, man, I could, you know, I think this you could talk around this for hours. Like, it'd be interesting, like, because they just made a new Rambo film. And, oh yeah, like that is the right, sort yeah. of you know, original Rambo is, is like. Apex, if only this guy was here, kind of Vietnam fantasy. Whereas like, if you contrast Rambo and Predator, those are the two kind of other sides. Yeah, of no, the, the first Rambo film is, is about it's like PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Very right. The first so, one yeah. is, yeah, I'm thinking uh, of subsequent Rambo. But yeah, subsequent Rambos <laughs> are, yeah. why don't we parachute Rambo into Afghanistan and he can help the Mujahideen destroy <laughs> uh, the communists? Which is fucking insane. Yeah, so right. Look at well, that it's like now. Well, yeah. Hang on a minute. Which means that Rambo is basically like the key to all of it because, <laughs> like, he was in Vietnam and then he caused the. He basically caused all of the Middle East problems. Right. Well, God, I guess. I guess is I'm, Rambo the Ur text for all of he is, all of the, the current Ur teenager? Well, he's the Ur. <laughs> the yeah, Ur he is the Ur teen. Like, well, he is sort of. Um, Talk about a teenager, you know. Well, Rambo. <laughs> Rambo, America's adolescence <laughs> he's had some setbacks <laughs> he's had some setbacks but we can all see the good in him right if well, only he'd come out of the fucking forest <laughs> <laughs> so like so like the message of rambo and i appreciate all so fucking miles off peace for this oh, point God, yes. the message of rambo is it'll so, definitely yeah. work this time <laughs> right like <laughs> we dropped this man into this country 
now he's traumatized. Now we're going to hoist him back up. And we're going to drop him into this one. Yeah. But guess what? All of that trauma is actually strength, and it's going to it's going to definitely blow up the USSR this time. What's the story of the new one? Isn't he just um, it, no? Isn't he like look, actually? Home. I haven't it's seen it. I've heard I've, that it is migrants are bad, but I don't right. know. It, it, did, it looks like, like he's defending his homestead from somewhere, and that that is a whole <laughs> wealth of like <laughs> you know, like where does you know where does US pop culture locate its kind of great danger in homesteads a, in a, yeah no, exactly the people well, right, go to homesteads right like the sort of the you know apocalyptic gotta defend my house thing which is mm. fucking everywhere now from yeah, like yeah, logan yeah. to walking yeah. dead yeah, to yeah, everything yeah, yeah. right like um yeah man I, I i said this on twitter but it's a fucking crime they called that film rambo last blood and not rambo number five <laughs> where he could have had different guns called like Monica and Rita <laughs> and Lou Bega's there the cameo <laughs> exactly. 37 minutes in could have been could have been game of, uh, film, of the, film, film of the year is that a thing film of the year game of the year <laughs> I guess there were like Rambo 1 was a trauma film and um, also uh, Jacob's Ladder was as well reflecting on the Vietnam War which mm. is mm. like there, there, there was some reflection in pop culture Oh, definitely. Which is it stopped. Uh, that's your point. Yeah, like it is- right. Yeah, but a bit like the it's there, there absolutely was, but it's also where that where that lens is focused, and there may well be yeah, right. in a more fiction that, that that doesn't address this. But yeah, I think. But uh, going back to the games, mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. do you know what has a bad Vietnam <laughs> flashback? Right? Yeah, could, could, right, could be a format in which you do it well. It could yeah, be. yeah, but it sounds like this one be. doesn't, right? It doesn't look like it. <laughs> doesn't look like it's good. I mean, it's, it's doing. It's not doing bad stuff. It's just not doing anything well. It is why it is such an interesting thing, right? Because there is a structural thing about the nature of that conflict which cannot be expressed by first-person shooters. Yeah, like right. the the ground combat. The thing is that not famously is... didn't end that war. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah. I feel like there is an opening there to explain and look at that conflict, which is just not uh, ever seemingly. I think interrogated. There is an issue in the. Not, it did really didn't seem a fun one. Didn't seem a fun one at well, all. Yeah, no. Hmm. And like, yeah. right? But yeah, so, I mean, I suppose even I mean, which is to say, like, any well, nobody can uh, win it for sure. Like a, not to have a grim game. Not to pick yeah. up this thing and kind of limply dribble it in, back into the net, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do. Um, but this is kind of one of the reasons that one of the answers to this is sort of gestured at by Disco Elysium, which is like that is a game about a society right. and in the crisis it goes through we live in a society Chris. we do <laughs> we live in a society in that game you live in a society that is um uh rebuilding it after a foreign power violently kind of opposes a revolution on quote unquote your behalf and um and it just is it's not a big fight you get to have it's not yeah. uh you know you can't you know fight the coolest moments you know, or the, you know, the, you know, like of that war, you just sort of live with the aftermath of it. And some people don't care. And some people do. And some people are kids. Some people are shitty teens and who, for whom it doesn't matter a single thing apart from in broader socioeconomic ways that they don't consider at all. And some people are obsessed with it. And that is the truth of this, right? Like that is the ultimate truth of these things after the fact. So something like that would be a way more interesting to address hmm. those kinds of conflicts as they become more complicated than than video games typically do because video games are better suited to space war where the baddies are a big space goblin or something <laughs> you know like it's it's what they're what's they're good at 
God, I really love Destiny. And me too. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I don't have to talk about this week, far from no, Disco Elysium, is all I've fucking done is play Destiny. I've mm. just played, I played quite a lot of Destiny. And I just thought, why the fuck am I not playing Disco Elysium? Why, why, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing another Because Destiny is incredible. a soothing, hypnotic thing that mm. just sort of carries you along. And Disco Elysium <laughs> is quite a challenging thing that forces you to yeah, engage with it. Yeah, that's what it is. I have needed to switch my head off this year. Yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah. other than Everyone the fact does. that it's a lot of reading, I found it really addictive. Mm. Like it was quite easy going, really. Because I actually, one of the things really I, is. another impression I had that was kind of wrong was I thought it was going to be intimidating and daunting and difficult. Like, I don't actually play a lot of character RPGs like this. Like, I tried Pillars of Eternity and I kind of bounced off it. And usually mm-hmm. there's just too much complexity and there's too much expected of me as, as the player. Yeah. They think too highly of me. <laughs> well, there's so much telling you about Yeah. Shit. And this actually, so the, if you go and try and create a custom character, that is kind of overwhelming and a bit messy. Uh, but after that, from then on, it's actually really accessible and just mm. kind of, yeah. The, the dialogue is so like funny and yeah, yeah. and it does drag you there's so like, much to it that I'd it's be not fine mature. if I started it but it's the it's the kind of uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you you kind of you have some progress but you can't carry on right because you're yeah you're gonna start again you gotta, just kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say uh, I do wish less of it was voiced might be a controversial opinion yeah, the voice acting isn't great <laughs> and, and out of respect I feel the need to listen to every line that is voiced all the way through rather than, but normally you can kind of motor through it at the speed you can read yeah. there's which, like some of it is fun. decent and some of it is really like oh my god who did this uh, to, to the point that I and I've never done this before but I there was one time where I was like a new character you know quite late in the game uh their voicing was so like oh my god this is not someone who's ever acted before I don't think it actually made me think I think even I can do this better. <laughs> I think I'm going to try. I just tried reading the paragraph loud. Can I do it better than this? <laughs> Obviously, I can't judge. But I'm not, well, I don't know. Why is it not as bad? <laughs> never, oh. never had that thought before in my life. <laughs> uh, the music. Music is, is real nice. Fucking yeah, great. it's really good. Uh, also real nice. Yeah. Smell. <laughs> Hard Normal. Normal. Uh, descriptions of smells. Definitely. Mm, top. Tip top. Yep. Gave me the uh, potential for sure. Oh yeah, but it's in a complicated. But what about, what about yeah. outer wilds? Wilds. Yeah, I'm stumbling over that. We one. all got it right. <laughs> no one has to drink. Don't worry, outer worlds is not in contention. <laughs> but Slay the Spire is. Oh, oh shit! Oh, How many shit. years has that been? <laughs> it technically came out this year. Actually, yeah. I think it has meaningful competition. Uh, I think, like Tom, I would be surprised if you picked Slay the Spire over Outer Wilds. Yeah. I would be too because <laughs> I prefer Outer Wilds. Um, but like, yeah, I think, didn't I pick Slay the Spire for last year or something? Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got to pick a year for that game. Yeah. But um, it, it's, it, if you go by playtime, it, it always wins. It's, you know, even, it's probably outpaced Splunky now for me. I've played mm-hmm. them so much. Um, and I do still love it and I'm playing the new character still and it's, it's still not finished. They're changing it all the time and it's really interesting seeing how it's evolving and there's, there's new mechanics in there that are really cool. Um, but yeah, just in terms of like the fondness in my heart, Outer Wilds definitely. <clears throat> I just realized that one of those, um, like voices in the 24 matrix of podcast voices is talk about Slay the Spire. <laughs> I've fallen prey to that many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and really There's again. so much to it. Look, I saw an opportunity and I took it. No, and also Pip is here. Hello, Pip. Hello. Hello. We've sort of jumped forward in time now, very briefly, or for however long we choose to, um, to allow us to step aside from a rapidly deteriorating podcast that occurred <laughs> yesterday in my timeline mm. and to step into the bright, almost too bright, today, where we can catch up with you, Pip, about what you've been up to and 
maybe give uh, give the audience a little bit of a break before we descend into questions, which is going to be a bit of a journey <laughs> this week. I'm yeah, afraid. I mean, you wobbled home at mm. a late hour. I like to think of this as like the equivalent of one of those. It's happening in the middle, but like kind of like one of those Star Trek cold opens where it's like the ship explodes or something, and it's like two days earlier, and you find out, <laughs> oh, that's actually fine, or something. You know what I mean? I mean, is this just your proof that you survived? How bad did it get? <laughs> uh, I will say, I've edited... Uh, this is episode 300, and I've edited, as far as the website's concerned, 235, but that, that includes all the blood bonds. There's probably closer to 200 of these. And I think this is the messiest outro I have ever heard. Oh, wow. So you got that look to look forward to, I think. Mm. Or stop now. Or stop when <laughs> Pip's done. <laughs> We're giving people a jumping off point. They don't do this during, like, uh, long films, really, or anything like that. So. Maybe they should. Yeah. Maybe they should have done that in the middle of Titanic instead of letting you go to the loop. Well, Although... Let all the people off the ship halfway. That would have been... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe that would have been worse, because then you'd have just been Actually, stranded. Like, the Carpathia wouldn't have been around, would it? To be fair to them... They kind of did let all the people off the boat halfway, and that was the whole problem. They would have much preferred to go all the way to New York. I mean, but like, oh, do you remember back in the day when people were allowed a little bit of a break when films were interminably long? Mm. Because it wasn't the norm. Yeah. 80 to 90 minutes is an acceptable length for a film, and I will not hear anything said otherwise. If you go longer than that, you need an editor. Quite frankly, nobody has anything to say that lasts longer than that. <laughs> The new, uh, I saw when I bought tickets, the new, the new Star Wars is mm. about two and a half hours long. Yeah, I'll be leaving after 90 minutes. Because <laughs> if they can't get to the point, then, you know, that's already longer than my concentration span, so. <laughs> Understandable. I will stay. Maybe I should see it in two sessions. Like, one will be 90 minutes and the other one will be, you know, maybe an overlapping mm. section. You know, mm. like, I'll come in 90 minutes before the end. <laughs> like, get caught up on a little bit of it. And Someone will come over and say, you know, mum, your film is starting. No, no, get me in an hour. Yeah, exactly. They know what they've done. I know. I'll have this cup of tea and then I will be in. <laughs> Good. 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 I'm glad we've got that sorted. Mm. Well, uh, how? what's the acceptable length for a podcast? Oh, no. <laughs> See, I'm not even going to listen to this one. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> this is a bit of a dangerous question. How many of them do you listen to? Oh, none of them. <laughs> I don't like to be reminded of what I've said. <laughs> I used to listen to them, but then I got weirded out because I fell asleep listening to them, and then it was like there were all these people that I knew that were sort of in my room but not. Mm. And then I'd wake up confused because it would be like I'd seen my friends and I hadn't. Mm. So I had to stop. But everyone else should listen. That's no excuse. <laughs> I can't imagine you've all been going around making friends over the place. <laughs> Mid-pod intervention. Oh, sorry. Have no, I okay. have I made this unlistenable? Like, no, we've no, already advised oh, no. people to stop listening at no, least three totally times. Right. I think, um, no, I think they should absolutely, definitely keep listening. Um, and also, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, it's probably fine. It's probably not the worst it's ever been. Should That's, I listen? Uh, oh, no. Um... <laughs> That's, you know, we'll probably have a different title for the episode, but 300, probably not the worst it's ever been, um, might be the, the tagline for this. But the reason we're doing this, the reason we're sat on my office floor on a Friday afternoon to talk to you, Pip, is so that we're all here. The gang's all here on this 300th episode. 
Hmm. What have you been up to in the world of computer games or otherwise? There's no <laughs> rules anymore. And if there were, I wouldn't be the person to enforce them. Well, I mean, if okay, let's talk computer games. Sure. It has been a team fight tactics kind of a year, I would say. And with uh, some light showers of Animal Crossing mm. uh, mixed in, I would say. And, with the weather. Well... <laughs> But um You played a lot of Team Fight Tactics, no, or as look. it was once called. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that you called it when you'd forgotten what it was called? Tank Top Fortress. Tank Top Fortress. Look, all of the main <laughs> letters from the initials were there mm. and that was as good a hit rate as I was ever going to get that day, I think. I was very tired. But you played like legitimately a ton of that now. Yes, but then they're going to go and introduce seasons, and mm-hmm. the first one is Rise of the Elements, and then all of my knowledge will be for naught, Chris. Naught. Uh, surely that's not the case. Surely you can adapt. I mean, yes, but I mean, also they are introducing a whole load of very different, um, like at the moment, the, the, the roles and the origins are set as particular things, and then you look at the, new cards the new uh, mm. the ways the champions are organized and there is basically an explosion of new people and the ones that you know already have different roles now and different synergies and there are you know like druid, druids don't exist at the moment it's going to be druids then you know like light and ocean and all of this stuff that's now going to have to be remembered like it's getting dangerously close to a MOBA in terms of things that I have to have to learn and pay attention to. And I'm not okay. <laughs> but you, you've, you've internalised so much info already. What's more info? But, yeah, but it's different info. <laughs> this is like finding out that Columbus didn't sail in whenever he sailed, which is not a good example because now I can't remember the song. <laughs> what was it? 1400 and something too? 92? 22? I don't know. Now look, I just it remi- it rhymes with ocean blue. But anyway, it's like finding out that it was in 93 right. instead and that it's also not ocean Well, yeah, and also that Columbus was actually Pope Pius or something. You know, mm. like it, suddenly everyone's put on a different costume and is mm. insisting that they were always from there. And it's very annoying. I'm not okay. So it feels like there's like a cap on how much you, uh, you, I mean, you I shouldn't want have a game to ask you to learn. Well, I just ask that it doesn't throw everything out of the window all of the time. That would be nice. Mm. Because, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I uh, tapped out of MOBAs. Like, it was just like a homework. <laughs> also, I shouldn't have picked Columbus as an example because he was a dick. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just, I don't know. It's, why does anything have to change? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, okay. So, but you probably are going to keep playing Team Fight Tactics, right? Yes. And you, you definitely got... I'm trying to currently get my honour level up so that I can play it on the public beta environment because mm. my honour isn't high enough for me to download that client. And honour is your social... It's like, it's the thing that says that you're a decent human being in (laughs) games and not a complete asshole. So it's the thing, you know, where you get like upvoted by people Mm. at the end for like shot calling or for 
not tilting or you mm. know for just basically being a nice person and to do that i had to boot up things that weren't team fight tactics and that involved a lot of aram and i am not okay because someone told me i was stupid <laughs> i was like oh now i feel sad because i came here to be good and to get good points and now i'm being told i'm stupid so that person's definitely not going to give me good points and like i didn't want to say anything like positive because i didn't want people to be like why is stupid Lucian being positive? <laughs> like, oh no. Like, I, I don't know. I became very self-conscious and I didn't want to participate anymore. So now I've got to wait even longer for, for trying to learn new things about these characters and like have all of my previous enjoyment and knowledge and learning thrown back in my face, Chris. <laughs> like, it's like they want you to fail. And I don't know why they... people aren't rooting for me. <laughs> it's a very personal journey you've been on. Well, I just, like, imagine, imagine mm. if you had gone to the trouble of actually learning something. Right. Like Java script. Mm. And then they phoned you. What a weird example, for sure. Well, it's what you've learned yeah, recently. Yeah. And you've put a lot of effort in. And what if they phoned you and said, we're not doing that anymore? Like up is down, backwards is forwards, like, there's a, a new, like, moon involved. I don't know, I don't understand JavaScript. <laughs> as is probably what you just described clear. as destiny. <laughs> now, okay, fine, fine. Then destiny, you boot up your hunter and mm -hmm. your hunter is suddenly a warlock and I, won't let you show off in your horrible hunter way. I, I think How is, would you feel about that? Bad. Is how you feel, Chris. No, Bad. because I'm I'm very forgiving, maybe too much so, of things I've already agreed that I like. <laughs> what do you mean? So if they did that, I'd be like, well, I disagree with it, but I won't make a fuss. That would probably be how I'd react to that, because I... Would uh, you keep playing it, though? Would I you mean, feel if, sad? If, well, it depends exactly what the changes were, but change itself is not bad. Change is always bad, Chris. Except for things that suit me. <laughs> Like, if it was, I don't know, it'll probably be great, and I'll probably have a lot more fun, because right now I'm playing in a very sort of um, standardised way mm. that is winning repeatedly. And I feel very good about that, because I'm winning, but it's also not particularly right. challenging. Um, and so I would actually like it to mm. change up a bit. It's just that, like, changing entirely feels a bit scary. Mm, I get that. I was going to ask about that actually, like whether I'm finally good at something. <laughs> I know you're a monster. I keep walking in. You've you've soloed, you know, the entire game or something. <laughs> Do you know. know what's happening? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just seem to win a lot. But so that was the question I was going to ask. Like, so if you've if you feel like you've you've solved the current auto battler sort of formula a bit, mm. is it exciting to you that you might have to embark on that journey of solving it again, or is it like? Uh, is it like a household chore where like the kitchen will always slowly get messy over time and it will always need cleaning again? So I think what I liked was the cadence of adjustments. It's mm. like with, right. um, if you, if you think about the little tweaks that you get to games like balance patches or, you know, um, maybe slightly more 
substantial updates that tweak a bunch of things but mm. and so it changes the flavor of the thing a little bit it brings um other skills into focus or it you know it it, it refreshes the experience slightly but it doesn't undo everything that you've learned about how the cadence of the thing is played it doesn't you know and, and there's a chance that this might not this might just be utterly and, and unequivocally positive it's just that i yeah it doesn't i've really... learned so much about this game and i've tried so hard and like i've genuinely enjoyed it and then seeing this thing on the horizon that might be amazing but might also just throw everything that i suddenly got good at out of the window and mm. it was like I think something that maybe underlined that feeling was playing Aram and it's, so for, for podcast. Yeah, it's a one lane, all random, all mid thing where you get assigned a random hero. And it's League of Legends, not team fight. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're both League of Legends. Right. But I'm just saying so people can visualize if they haven't played. So you get a champion and you just barrel down this uh snowy one lane thing just like trying to kill other people and taking out their turrets and like a mini version of the mm. nexus so it's kind of it's basically a, a a very streamlined and um concentrated league experience but i use it mostly for like learning stuff or for tooling around because mm. it's shorter and it, people treat it more throwaway like there's i find that there's less of a chance of um people being jerks or that that toxicity because it's shorter and it's less consequential like you random stuff but but even playing that you know being called stupid rather than people sort of being annoyed that I'm yeah. crushing them or like you know I just I've found the chat in um in teamfight a lot more uh, not necessarily measured but I think the the strongest criticism that I've had there has just been oh you got really lucky with three star champions this early in the game like mm. that's not fair kind of thing yeah um Whereas, yeah, in, in the other stuff, it immediately just felt personal and it felt worrying. It felt, you know, I feel, I felt really like on edge for the whole thing. You mm. know, was I going to get, I had to get in there to get something as well. Particularly well, one. yeah. And also just getting characters that I wasn't familiar with really and haven't played in years at this point and right. you know trying to desperately remember how they work and then finding out that actually they've been slightly re redone and it doesn't even work like that anymore and mm. you know or even just the fact that people would quit out when i didn't trade like i, I got varus and i was like oh actually i do know how to play this and then someone was like will you trade with me for their thing? And I was like, I didn't know how to play their thing well. And so they uh, rage quit. Um, I got booted back to matchmaking and I was like, I'm just too tired for this. Like, mm. I don't want to grind this just to get access to the thing that I do want. And mm. even then it's only because I'm a bit worried about whether I'll be any good at it, you know? Right. It's funny because, like... I want to try. It'd be interesting to dig into, like... Because, you know, I, I think it's maybe fair to say that I'm not sure a game has... A new game has stuck like Teamfight Tactics has for a fair old while. Like, there's a few I could name. I think Slime Ranch would be one of them. Subnautica. Subnautica would be the other. 
But you know what I mean? It feels mm. like uh, you are not someone who picks up a new game every week and plays it every week. You are someone who picks up a game for a feral while and then... And, and it's, it's, mm. I think, you know, maybe with Slime Rancher and, and Subnautica, you can point to the sort of gardening aspect or the sort of exploration collection aspect, which is also common with Animal Crossing and, and a few other things. But this feels like, uh, very different to the sorts of games that I have known you to get super into. So mm. interesting to figure out what it is about that formula that, that resonates quite so strongly with you. I think it's partly because it's a world that I'm familiar with, because mm. I've always been fond of, League of Legends, just in terms of even its colour palette, I mm. find more appealing than Dota, just because I like brighter colours, I think. Mm. Um, I do love a moody pastel, me. <laughs> and so it's quite, it, I find it quite cartoony and uplifting in that way. Mm. And so it's a, a map that I naturally want to spend a bit more time with. And, and I think as well, because I knew so many people who played Dota and who were good at Dota. And so League was somewhere that I could actually be on my own, you mm. know, and figure stuff out but not be beholden to other people or not continually measure myself up against them. Because I don't know if, I don't know if I've really talked about this on the podcast, but Dota is actually a really weirdly toxic thing for me, especially towards the end. Cause it fed into all of my insecurities about whether I was okay in this profession, whether I was, you know, it's mm. like, there was a very real, like not exactly imposter syndrome. It was, I, I was into very different games and I, I couldn't figure out a way to make that feel okay. Mm. That's not quite imposter syndrome. It's it's more about just not feeling accepted or not feeling yeah. um, like the things that I I valued were valued in that way. And so Dota became this thing that I was always very interested in esports, but more in the way of like the the business of it and the human side and the community and things. And all of the writing about it seemed to gravitate towards things like um, play-by-play stuff or, like, analysis of different skills or the, the team compositions and, you know, all of that very mechanical stuff that wasn't as interesting to me. And so I just felt like I was constantly um, stuck in a world of exam revision mm. and trying to unpick the stuff that didn't come naturally because people would be annoyed if I wrote about the things that that did or that you know I would I remember I I played sometimes and then someone that I actually don't speak to anymore but like they they popped up on my steam chat afterwards and told me what items I should have been building because it turned out they'd they'd been spectating my game and it was things like that that just constantly made it feel like Mm. I it wasn't okay that I was there or that the way that I played it was right or, you know, Mm. all of that stuff. And so I think that in turn made League more appealing just because it wasn't that. Right. And people, you know, like I've got like three friends on it and none of them play anymore. Mm. (laughs) So, like, yeah. Teamfight is also itself a very specifically, not a solitary experience because it's a multiplayer thing, but... Well, it's not... Apart from the carousel bit where you pick a champion as they're wandering around in the middle of this, like, Mm. void, none of it is reflexes. None of it is, you know, that moment-to-moment, like, reaction play. Mm. It's, you know, you, you have time to think about things or you have time to 
experiment a little bit or it's Mm. there's a lot of thinking and there's a lot of layers and and I was so delighted when I realized that I was actually responding to what other people were doing like I think at the beginning you're just so overwhelmed by the number of things to do and the spaces on the board and where do you put things and why Mm. do you put things there um and then there was one game where I think I was I think I was on four health and the other person was on 90 something and we were the only two left and I realized that I was switching up my positioning and switching up my Mm. I think I watched this or I watched a win like this and items and things and I managed to win that I managed to bring them down from like nearly a hundred health while I was on this knife edge like I couldn't lose a single game and Mm. I won and that was like the greatest feeling and I felt like that must be what you get when you turn a game around in Dota or something you know Mm. right well that's the thing I mean so you know and I I I I think you're right to draw attention to the the, like the the sort of well, uh, auto battlers are almost more board game like than almost a lot of things I could name, including a lot of um, uh, turn-based strategy games or things like that, because um, there there isn't an AI element really. Well, there is. It's in terms of how the individual characters mm. act when the battle is playing out, and that's the stuff that a board game would really struggle to resolve quickly, right? Mm. Like if you were rolling dice for each individual character and their attacks and who they choose to target, it would take a million years and you wouldn't do it. But the actual kind of cadence of it, where you're sort of um, it feels a lot like, you know, board games that I, you know, you like. Like, it's got a set collection aspect to it, right? Like, it's it's got a passing Love card. Love a set collection. Right. It's got, like, passing cards around a, you know, there's a deck essentially being passed around. There's probability. Around. Yeah. There's, there's card counting, probability, and a bunch of other things about it that uh, feel a little bit underrepresented in other genres, actually. And given that the genre itself is such a sort of hybrid, you know, and given it comes from MOBAs, people maybe look to that first. I think it's actually way closer to... I don't know. It's got the feeling of a solitaire game to me in mm. a weird way, even though it's definitely not solid. You know, it's not solitary technically. Yeah, there are other people there, but mm. you are definitely playing. You know, you are. It, it's more that you are curating a thing, like a collection of stuff, right. and you find all these synergies. And to me, that that makes it feel more like, yeah, like gallery curation or like a, um, like maybe even a garden or something. And mm. I know, I know that's probably an overused. Um, metaphor in some ways uh in regards to games at all Mm. nowadays but um in terms of gardening it's like um you you pick the things that you think will work together and then you try and game um the elements of of ai or randomness that that are built in by you know messing with those probabilities a bit you know like mm. you're building more of a crit chance and more of a you know more yeah. more of a stun chance or more of a you know like all of those things you'll you'll essentially try and mitigate the the natural randomness um with your own knowledge or skill and i like that i like making it feel like i've um made a shape work yeah right i think that's kind of yeah and it's it's sort of watching that pattern resolve as well watching all the sort of probabilities boil down to Mm. who's left with what at the end and things it's very different in some ways to what i get out of like competitive team games or one-on-one games where the whole point is that the pattern is kind of unresolvable and so you've got to try and get through it um with you know 
I know you've got to make it advantageous to you, but it's never going to be stable. Mm. And that's, you know, I find that very exciting, but also very draining. So right. Like what kind of... Well, so in a, in a game of Dota or something, the reason Dota is my favourite game and, uh, and the reason it won't stop coming up is because it, it actively fights uh, being over. Mm. Right? It, it, it's why I would always defend that you can't tap out of a Dota game uh, because the idea is it's not just how you... Um, this is a bit of an art point, and then I feel like it's going to be a podcast full of them. But like most, a lot of competitive games, you know, you can learn a playbook, and sometimes you're learning that for a map or something. This is, I think, the problem here is the storm at competitive level is very much you do this on this map at this point and you win. And if someone interrupts you, you probably lose. Mm-hmm. And um, so it becomes a memory challenge. And you know, even if I'm playing something like competitive Destiny at the moment and ranked you kind of get a sense of, oh, this is the opposing team's loadout. This is the approach to them that works. Maybe they change things up, but the game is fairly short. And so chances are, if you crack it fast enough, you can get it to the end and then you've won. Mm. The thing I love about Dota is it's like, you know, you might think you can, you can theorize all you want about why a game is going well or badly, but there are so many elements in play from the draft to how things are laned to rotations and timings and item timings and farm and all of these different factors that any given moment of the game can only be so certain about where you how you got to this point mm. um and and then the game has several phases like that and they are, they have their own relationships with each other so you have to have this relationship with you're forced into a position where you can't solve it you just have to try and make the best decisions you possibly can and i find that very compelling i think it's also very stressful i think the the, the difference between your experience of that and my experience of that is that for me there is too much information and Mm. i can't prioritize it Mm. whereas you somehow seem to reach into that mess of information and find the um the pressure points that that will alter the game or like see that whereas (laughs) well you know Mm. but i mean so uh, i think what i'm worried about with age of uh, elements or whatever they've called it. I can't remember. Rise of the Elements? Yes, that's the one. Um, is So in Dota, they, uh, at some point with the map, they messed with the jungle. Like they, I think at first it was just moving the steps or things like that. Um, the jungle being the sort of the area between the three lanes. Um, so they, they moved the steps, I think, and they added shrines that mm. will like replenish you in some way. And they moved the camps and changed a bit how those would work. And that everything about that was just, it, 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 the the feeling was that all of that stuff that I'd learned and that acted almost as a solid base on which I could add any of the incremental changes or even big changes like mm. a new champion or like the massive seasonal patches or whatever um, that was gone it felt like there were no constants left and so there was just nothing that mm. I could do. Like all of my timings were off all of my yeah. natural instincts of where I walked mm. and when were off, how to, how to hide, how to do anything. Like they all just disappeared immediately and haven't come back. I haven't been able yeah, to right. play it since. And now I feel a bit 
I think that's the thing that's making me a bit on edge is I'm sort of trying to fit in as much team fight tactics as I can before it happens just in case right, yeah. it goes away. Cause, they, they sort of, <laughs> Cause I guess like one of the, you know, one of the traditional promises to a beta tester, particularly of a competitive game is you're in at the ground floor of this when, when the public, you know, gets access to it, if it's a closed beta or something, you know, even if it's not, you'll be, you know, in that, in that vanguard, maybe you won't stick around, but there's an appeal to having been there from the start and having all of that experience. And yeah, the way that, the fact that they're sort of launching it out of beta, but into uh, a new seasonal pattern. And, and if we haven't spoken about this on the podcast before, it's essentially a season thing where they're going to rotate whole sets of characters in and out, which is again, is super card game like in, in some ways. But it's like what Blizzard were doing with Hearthstone, isn't right, it? Right, which like, is in itself so, based on Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So it's, you know, like, it, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. I can understand they're kind of like not giving you your, you, they probably, you, you just have one season of being the boss and then they, <laughs> ro- then they rotate it so that other people get a chance. Yeah. Basically, maybe it just boils down to where's my medal? <laughs> <laughs> As so much in life. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Pip. <laughs> made it a real downer no no not at all um <laughs> I, you know if anything i'm just glad that we had a, a, a pretty serious and uh informed discussion about a computer game um before returning to the wimbling the wimble the wimble zone <laughs> wimbledon um wimbledon uh rallies back and forth um no actually it's, it's not as bad as all that we definitely answered some questions i think i can't really remember which is worrying to be honest and i just edited this thing um so uh, yes, I guess we have to find some way of seamlessly transitioning back to the pod regular at this point. Let's just go back and see what those people are doing. Egg, egg, egg. Egg, 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 We join you now, like the egg in that Facebook video, bigger than before, but also <laughs> drunker than before. <laughs> it's time uh, for some questions from questions for this, the episode 300. But the first question come from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at Marsh as if. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can, I no, no. Both of you said you had a question. Sure about how to ask questions no, I just within the house. Uh, Fuck's sake. We're well, supposed to be professional interviewers. My, my question is, is frivolous and stupid. So, uh, Tom, what was your oh, question? Mine's definitely serious. So, uh, <laughs> all right. We have questions from Marsh and Tom this week. So, um, the, the one of you make it, make a decision among yourselves. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. A classic rally there. Just In... like to point it out. <laughs> In Disco Elysium, the items of clothing you find have positive and negative uh, buffs, uh, you know, modifiers to your personality traits, such as uh, the t-shirt I mentioned that gives you, a polo shirt gives you minus one empathy and plus one rhetoric. Uh, and I want to know, do any of you guys have items of clothing or accessories that you own that you feel modify your personality traits negatively <laughs> or positively? Absolutely I, I, fucking yeah, yes. Uh, yes. Everyone does, everyone does. Um, I'm currently wearing my hoodie, my Dota hoodie, my slightly kind of natty around the edges Dota hoodie of plus two to fuck it um, <laughs> and minus one to self-esteem, which is this is the hoodie I wear when, oh shit, I've got a lot of things to do today and I no longer care about what I look like. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> I think um, Chris will be familiar 
<laughs> Alex, <laughs> you got something to share with the class? You're making an emergency call, Alex. <laughs> Is there something you should tell us? <laughs> it, it, it was, was a, not a great done. question, but it wasn't that bad. Call <laughs> 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 the police. <laughs> Smashing the glass on this. It's Alex. Alex, <laughs> what bonuses are you positively or negatively? I think, granted? I think I, I, so. I think the Disco Elysium misses out on something, which would be clothes that you think give you bonuses, <laughs> but actually they give you something else entirely, which would be probably the effect, the net effect of the band t-shirts I used to wear, hmm. used to think gave me some kind of, I don't know, right to exist. And no. <laughs> no right to exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I... I I class- I wear nothing with any writing on it and haven't done mm. forever. Um, Sacred runes will smirch. <laughs> which I think like ups my utterly anonymous shadow man in a corner <laughs> stat. Um, but minus one to brands. <laughs> minus one, but minus one to brands. And in this world of brands, that's a fucking fatal mistake. Cool. You Look, are, a man who doesn't ally himself with any brands is a man not to be trusted. It's a man who's alienated. He's a, a a fragment drifting in space. <laughs> or a TV adaptation of a William Gibson protagonist. Yeah, I'm literally wearing a shirt that looks like the opening, parody, the opening sentence of uh, This Is Not Good Radio. But um, yeah, I'm wearing yeah. a, a... The sky was the colour of Tom's t-shirt. <laughs> there is, however, Tuned to Tom. There is a symbol. There is a symbol on that t-shirt. Look, it's very hard to buy a t-shirt. It looks like a literally plaster. nothing on it. What do mm. mean? It's not, actually. <laughs> The thing you just said is a lie, Tom. What did they I sell say? them in Debenhams all the time. We t-shirts, blank t-shirts. Yeah. It's not that hard. The cut on those is shit. It is. <laughs> all right, fine. We've gone deeper on this then. It's fine to put a good t-shirt. Does I nobody else have a house hat? <laughs> <laughs> is this... What, I mean, what does it give you plus one to? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel like it's house. pretty significant upgrade on all my stats. When you're in the house, obviously. <laughs> when you're outside the house... Suddenly, who knows? What who kind knows of hat that? is this? It's a little beanie hat. It's a little I remember your house hat. hat. It's my house hat. You, you've house. seen me in my house hat. I have the extra used to live together. So it's not <laughs> why, that exactly. why is it only for the house? Because it's a hat you wear in the house. <laughs> that seems like restating the question. <laughs> well, I, 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 I is it one you're embarrassed to wear outside? No, it's just a house hat. It's a hat. <laughs> I heard the name. <laughs> I don't understand where this line of question is going. I feel like it's already being answered. We need exposition, Mike. We need exposition. If anything, I'm more likely to wear hats outside where it's cold than I am inside where it's warm. (laughs) No, it's a hat I I started wearing because my hair can be quite floofy. (laughs) So I started wearing it. And also I lived in a graveyard, which was fucking cold. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, after I got up and had my shower in the morning, uh, I'd wear a house hat to decrease both the floof and the threat of pneumonia. And uh, it's persisted. And to be honest, I don't feel normal if I haven't worn my house hat in the morning. So what does it give you? It's like plus zero, fine, minus zero, fine. <laughs> well, I think it's a constitution buff. I think, yeah, right. you know, had I not worn it, I'd try and pick up a necktie and die. So it's uh, it's pretty significant. How does it affect your inland empire? Uh, I, well, like I said, it's an improvement to all all possible <laughs> all stats. <laughs> Even savoir faire? Uh, no, actually. No, uh, my partner is very unimpressed. I <laughs> uh, see, I got, so I'm wearing uh, joggers right now, which are just the most comfortable thing you could possibly wear, which is why I do it. And, uh, but when you go outside with these, it's, it's sort of like a 
just dunks you a cool stat. It just any sort of <laughs> potential, pot- also your sexiness. Any th- any sort of it's fine in winter. See, that's though. It's actually, dark early. You can't. People can't see. Well, this is a, as, oh, these are black as well, so I got perfectly <laughs> stealthy. This is a flaw in Discoralism stat system because Savoir Faire is both like your stealthy agility and your cool. Mm. And actually, I think this is a garment that raises one of those things and decreases the other. I really <laughs> agree with that completely. Yeah, uh, but there's a, a terrible debuff if you wear them all the time at home. Um, but the debuff is negated by the fact that my partner has agreed to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just Locked the way. It, right, yeah, we have accounted in both in both your case, Tom, and your case, Mark. The, She's um, married the house at and everything. Exactly. <laughs> the I'm engaged it's, it's now yeah. sort of modifier on all clothing stats, which is resets everything to zero as well. <laughs> yeah. Everything's equal. Everything equals out. Yeah. I do have a pair of pajamas that are very, very comfortable and it's amazing at first. And then if you actually do have a lazy weekend where you wear them all day, hmm. there is a strangely negative quality to that. <laughs> you sort it's of like, like what am I am I? comfortable, but there's something kind I feel like I'm wallowing now. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I used to, I used to kind of maintain the concept of a pajama day. Right. And like, like once every two weeks, at least I would have some kind of day where I didn't have to leave at least a dressing gown in terms of what I would do at the day. That was a testament to my, where my life has changed or not, but that hasn't happened in years now. <laughs> like that legitimately hasn't happened in years. And I think I now ex- I'm existing in a kind of ecosystem. Like I think I've broken the game. Like I think I need to have a pajama day in order for any of my stats to make sense anymore. I'm in some sort of like boundless sort of number wang territory now where nothing is real anymore. Does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, that was an unexpected that was conclusion. Dream. But... That was the dream. Mm. The, the the bed day. That, that those are dreams. Yeah. What is the, day off? The, one of the the great not having bed days until until like very old age. Yeah. No. Like it's as if I have had children, yeah. but without having children. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> well, I think one of the greatest innovations that the new world has brought to us, uh, in, in the form of America is the idea of, uh, comfy pants. Uh, and, mm. uh, in, 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 you know, pants in the American sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pants in the American sense. Because in, in previous lives, uh, I would never have, uh, thought of the idea of wearing pajamas all day. I would have thought that was disgusting. <laughs> but the, um, but the comfy pants really are very comfortable oh, and yes. they come with a very attractive patterns. I have some which have some Dalmatians on them. I've got some <laughs> which have dogs and the dogs are bearing different kinds of food. Some of them have cake. Some of them have roast dinners. They're in wearing hats. Um, they're, they're burying them in different ways, you know, they, uh, <laughs> multiple <laughs> dog food um, transport methods. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm fully sold on the comfy pants as, as a <laughs> form comfy of dress. You can't leave the house, house obviously. Yeah. What's, what's on top? I, 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 what's on top? What's on, what's on your torso? Oh, my torso. It's just one of my normal t-shirts. I, I, I yeah. Mark, please complete this mental image for me. Do you wear the house hat at the same time as everything you just described? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that is some kind of goal, I can send man. you a photograph. I can dress up for you right yeah, now if you like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll take our podcast. Mark will be away from the space. microphone for a while. <laughs> um, I just assembled a quite complicated IKEA wardrobe. Okay, fine, no response. You said it was a lamp earlier on. No, I, I've done both. I've, I've, I've furnished a house. We've furnished a house. Don't take oh, this away from me. Congratulations. Like, anyway, but as part of that method, I had to figure out whether I needed two different places to store t-shirts or one. Trust me, this is going somewhere. But as part of that, I did have to establish t-shirts that I'm now kind of like comfortable that I own and band t-shirts that are for Tuesdays. You know what I mean? Um. Like that sort of emit a very powerful sort of... Again, fuck it, energy. <laughs> Why Tuesday? I think, I think I've refined my situation Tuesday is the too. most nothing day of the week. Nothing <laughs> happens on a Tuesday. I was born on a Tuesday, interestingly. Um, 
I think I've just refined it all to a state of continual low effort. Like mm. I always get up. I don't. I cannot <laughs> schlub around the house. Not <laughs> right. wear comfy trousers, whatever. Mm. It's got a you know, but it's always jeans and it's always mm. a t-shirt and it's you know and that and like, but it will never change like that. Like whatever I do and is. Mm. I'm just thinking because because there's that thing of sort of like was it was it um uh, Steve Jobs talking about the fact that he always wore any particular clothes he didn't have to put any thought into what he wore mm. like yeah Barack Obama said yeah, that as well Obama, like, yeah. mm. and I think it ten <laughs> I'm I'm the, 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 the in many ways the just not like this worst possible kind of expression <laughs> of that ethos so in uh, in destiny. <laughs> In Destiny 2, there's <laughs> a thing. Right now, my Destiny, Destiny on the other hand, well, so bear with chrome me. fucking pauldrons. I, I bet they do, but bear with me. So Don't wear those on a Tuesday. When you, when you choose to take on the Nightfall Strike, eh, the most difficult strike at a certain difficulty level, 950 or above, it prevents you from changing your gear mid-mission. Okay. Um, which means you have to pick a load out at the beginning and, and obviously to account for this week's modifiers. It's a video game. You know how they work. Anyway. This means that when you begin the strike, it says equipment locked and all of your various gear slots lock. Um, you're the only person who would know this, Alex. Does that happen when you become a dad? Mm. <laughs> Good. Always <laughs> <laughs> well, it happens of invisibly, like you just, it's, yeah. you, you, mm. you feel options kind of peeling away. Yeah, like, you, you go to the chest slot and it's, oh, jumper. This is just what it is. Mm. <laughs> but you don't really miss it because... It's all goth just gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a beautiful advocation for the joy of children there. I kind of just wanted to end the podcast there. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, Marsh and, and Tom S being recently, uh, engaged both are at the first stage of this, which is all gear stats are now equal. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's part of the package now. Yeah. yeah I don't know that our fiancés would agree with this. <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> I have, so I've recently started wearing glasses and I feel mm. that the glasses I've chosen. Oh, really? for, um, for what? Seeing, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> For reading, basically. Right. Uh, close range stuff. Uh, so, obviously, plus one to perception, but I also feel they give me minus one to, like, empathy. They, I've chosen ones that look what? slightly... Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so it's partly about, like, uh, disillusion kind of fudges, like, you know, is it affecting how you feel or is it affecting how other people feel about you? I feel in this case, is it's I look less sympathetic with the glasses. They have a kind of... Because they're, they're the half-frame things where, like, the top half has a frame and the bottom half doesn't. Oh, yeah. What you that does... look that judgmental. It overemphasizes your your brow <laughs> in a very cross. stern way. You, yeah. kind of, you look a little bit like, hmm, not sure about this. <laughs> but isn't empathy just your internal ability to realize other person's feelings and understand them yeah but that so the polo shirt thing and <laughs> i think is is a is a nod to like other people assume you're less empathetic right mm. oh i see, I see what you get less empathetic. so what you mean. tom tom you and i are the only people in this room not wearing glasses mm. uh do we feel like do you do you feel alienated well, from everyone except well, me like this is why i'm, I'm not to... saying all glasses make you less empathetic <laughs> i'm saying mine i think make me look look less hospitable less like i would, less I would say no idea you do what's not... going inside these people you... <laughs> no idea what's going inside <laughs> yeah. who are these <laughs> going on nothing right people. now <laughs> also, who are these lumps of meat <laughs> i must converse with each week <laughs> what is this liquid going inside them <laughs> 
You don't. <laughs> you don't look that judgmental. Just the glasses. Take the glasses off. You'll immediately understand all of this. Oh, this is a rowdy one. That's good. This is question one, incidentally. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Can I, can I do my question? Yeah, do your question, Marsh. <laughs> you can Marsh. do that in the end. Do you want to do the other no, question? No, no, do it now. Do it you now. Sure? You sure? You've brought it up now. We're going to hold them in suspense. It's a quiz question. A quiz? About this very own podcast, what we've done. Okay. Oh. Ooh. So it may be really boring if Chris just knows the answer. <laughs> um, but I thought it might be fun to, to get you guys to guess what the most discussed games were on this podcast. Oh, that can't be. Like, oh, I have a list. Statistics. Based on tags on the website? Uh, based on tags, so not accurate in any way, but <laughs> broadly accurate. Mm. And, and there are a lot of draws in the top ten as well. Um, and I will give a prize out, which I haven't decided what it is yet, but I will give what? a prize out to the person who gets the most. Okay. <gasps> well, Alex, so how we Alex, Alex, Alex I was going to say, Alex, Alex has a plus two buff to this because he wasn't here yeah. for yeah. some of the earlier podcasts so. also well, if you put your hand up like you're in a sort of children's class like yeah. does, that, <laughs> does that give children's you children's class oh, for children does that give you right of way is that how this works <laughs> from my Tom, hand. You're, you're, Tom I just want to warn you you're inches away from screaming what are you doing <laughs> at Alex <laughs> yeah actually volume down <laughs> the format of this question could only invite chaos I, I now realise but I'm going to go with it Alex, I think I think the most talked about game is Slay the Spire. What? Interesting. Whoa! Tell you're a latecomer. No way. Interesting. I, I'm gonna really. Well, so the two things I'm thinking of Dota Two or Spelunky. I should pick one of those. Oh, I'm gonna say Dota Two. Oh, I'm gonna say Spelunky. <laughs> well, Chris, fuck you guys. Why the hell? So, no, I so I have to take one that's not one of those three, right? Dota. Cause those- you can you can uh, you can go with another one and you, when we go for the top five and you can um, okay and I'll very badly try and remember what you said all right, and come well, up with the score for you all of those three are in the top five are, are wager mm. um, so which what games were those Spelunky Slave Spire <laughs> and Dota Two it's gonna go really I well. will add to the list <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I, I assume Destiny Destiny Two counts two different things. Sure. But yeah, I don't think there's that much. Come up that much. I don't think it has relative to some other things. If you combine I... them, I think it would be in there. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it Le- so also Lego Star Wars? Also, one of the. <laughs> How did you know? One of the real meta. <laughs> the first fifty podcasts were just exclusively <laughs> dedicated Star to Lego Star Wars. Subnautica. Oh, Ooh. nice, nice one. Oh, left field. Well, I mean, uh, so I don't know what a point I just tell you. Whether I should just do this now. <laughs> yeah, okay, go for it. I, I think any more suspense is just going to be boring. Um, so Dota 2 was a good guess. Uh, that was number one. Uh, All mm. the others were wrong. Oh, shit. Whoa. Oh, yeah. None of the others in the top five? Not in the top five. What the I, fuck? Destiny 2 was in the top five. What? Huh. Yeah. But, so Dota 2 with a ridiculous 38 podcast, <laughs> which would sound <laughs> insane had I not lived through everything. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll, I was I'll take wondering it. If like there's a perceptual bias where the games that I don't play, I perceive as being talked about more. Yaddy, so, yaddy, 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 yaddy. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and the other thing is Whereas that like, Splunky, I'm like we, <laughs> we don't talk about Splunky nearly enough. I would say. I'm just saying, given that I I've been on and edited like 85 percent of the podcasts we've ever done, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Feel free to volunteer at any time. 
<laughs> I did. I did a lot of them when I was here. You did. I, you did. I, no, you I got did. out of it you by did. not being in the. Yeah, yeah. In the then you moved to Sweden. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I would say. So one of the interesting things about this is Marsh is a much more diligent tagger than I am. When I'm editing <laughs> oh. the podcast, oh. when I edit the podcast, I tend to only tag games that are mentioned substantially, rather right. than like in passing. So oh. it's either like one of the main games someone has played that week, or it comes up substantially in a question. So what you're saying is this entire exercise is completely pointless <laughs> right well that which is was- fine just, I just can't believe you didn't go through 300 episodes and actually and fucking do it properly. Uh, Marge, we, well, we, I did we think about doing a quiz where we'd guess what the actual titles of the podcast were in relation to, but uh, I realised right. I'd have to listen to the episodes again. Yeah, that's too much. Oh, no. Maybe I could ask Kane, but I just... Uh, <laughs> top 10, top 10. So, number two, uh, all of you, none of you guessed this, Bloodborne. With twenty nine, really? that, no, that that's because that every PC that's game. because every episode of the Bloodborne playthrough is tagged Bloodborne, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and those are the only oh things that God, are tagged Bloodborne. Your yeah, system is rubbish. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I think that counts because you went on tags, not things that also have the episode tag. Oh, so you're probably going to find. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I can filter for that in the yeah, uh, in really the back end. Yeah. Uh, so number three, though, I think is a legit one, which uh, uh, we can't get away from. Overwatch. Wow. Really? 17 episodes talked about Overwatch. And none of us are really a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Then Destiny 2 at 16. Okay. Then XCOM 2 Uh, at 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. No Man's Sky at number 6 with 14. That's why it's not coming out. Because that's been such a long story, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the early days as a preview thing, we were talking about when it came out. It it keeps on refreshing and like, yeah, yeah, people interested in back to it. Yeah. Then, then Spelunky. Which I thought would be like I thought two, be yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we, so we have a joint one at number eight: <laughs> Deus Ex, Human Revolution, uh, and <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. Weirdly, oh, which I think is probably again a facet of our our tagging system. I think that's true. I have to and reliance that on me. <laughs> there are a lot of um, zero zero K games in our tagging system, based on the fact that if you put a comma in it, it decides it's a new. Uh, <laughs> entry rather than 40k, it's 00k. Presumably a lot of a four, right. 40 oh, I see. Warhammer 40,000. Uh, yeah, 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 I see. 40. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, then here is the storm at 11. Uh, That's and, mostly you, Marsh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Hitman and Slay the Spire, uh, all yeah, at 11. As well. They're all at number nine. Hitman and should have guessed, because we actually commented on how often it made us talk about it, because they kept doing episodic stuff. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's a new Tropical Island it's level for that. Yeah. It, like, I think that is <clears throat> deserved that that game gets talked about. Yeah, like, it's earned it's it. It's still fucking great. Yeah. While we're talking about podcast stats, I can give one fascinating stat that I think I've ever revealed before. I can I can mention the person cited most in Patreon exit surveys. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so <laughs> cruel. Wow. Oh, no. I, person mentioned when someone decides to stop supporting the podcast and decides to then subsequently fill out a questionnaire why it's me everybody <laughs> oh, I was just thinking it would be, it would be harsh oh, to say this if it was oh, what? but it's the other person the person who's mentioned the most in a I would have stayed if they were still here uh, position is Marsh oh, oh, there you go hopefully all those people came back <laughs> they're all really disappointed now. yeah exactly because I'm <laughs> still here wasn't as good as it used to be <laughs> Um, and at number 10, it's a split honours between Dishonoured 2. I was going to say Dishonoured, fuck. But Dishonoured 2. 
rather than Dishonored. Mm. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because of the timing. We, did, well, our, we did, did our special podcast about it. And so. Yeah, and also Dishonored 1 was like was old, 2012. Yeah, we were, I think that was pretty And weirdly, Far Cry, Far Cry 5. Um, <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> sometime Tom not shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's that the was a it. good quiz. Um, that was I don't a good think quiz. Won, uh, uh, I guess I'm going to have to give you all your prize somehow. Thank you. Yes. The prize is being allowed to come into your house and mm. record a podcast. Oh, we should, we should get to see the house hat after the podcast. Oh yeah, that, that <laughs> can be the, the shit hat. prize if you it's like. Just, if I was it, thinking of actually a gift. Is it still? I'm happy, you know. Is you it still a, like a, the brown beanie with the yellow trim? It was never a brown beanie with you. I've never really? owned that. Yeah, really? it's always been a blue beanie which has two different shades of blue depending on which way out I uh, I wore it. Really? Are you yeah. sure you'd ever worn a brown beanie with a yellow trim? Jesus Christ! Are you sure? I'm a hundred percent certain. I've never. Maybe that one. was no, that was me. <laughs> The house hat was on your head all along. The house hat is coming from inside the house hat. So questions from the audience then. Via Serif writes, and this is a question I asked her to write because I want to elicit this response, particularly from Tom Senior. Hello. Uh, Question. What noise did you, Chris, make when Kane on Discord described Destiny's shooting as, quote, fine? (laughs) (laughs) Recreations and rampant speculation on the types of noise made if Chris is not available, more than welcomed. Sound clips, the sound clip god, via Serif. So is this a response to the comment there that he's just made? That the comment was, well, incorrect. the shooting is fine. Yeah. And I think to go on, the punching is good. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Okay. Is that the noise you think I made or the noise you would make? <laughs> oh, that's the noise you make. <laughs> it was more of I know what the of... noise I made, was it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the noise, the noise I made was a sort of, uh, like a, a sharp, shocked, um, disappointed futility. Like a kind of... A futility. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> My noise that sounds would... like an angry... Huh. <laughs> My noise would be... <laughs> <laughs> you sure it isn't what the fuck do you think you're doing? Look, I've screened that into this microphone too many times this evening. So I'll go for the family fortunes. Okay. <laughs> was that the noise that you made? Me. That wasn't me. It's not me. Someone turns on. Uh, Danny writes, Dear CNC Red Alert 2 Yuri's Revenge. <laughs> uh, inspired by the Friends episode where Phoebe causes panic on a plane by declaring that the plane has run out of flalange, my question what? for the pod... <laughs> Sorry. That's not, slightly, that's not a Friends episode. I sli- Falange. I slightly uh, embellished the word phalange then, but I meant what I said and I said what I meant. Um, if you could invent a new made-up part of a computer, what would you call it and what would its function be? Uh, mine would be the gerbil squeezometer containment chamber, uh, which would squeeze a gerbil, eliciting a squeak whenever you turn on the PC to produce the PC on beeping noise. Thanks to the great pods, your stories are always hilarious. So they better be. (laughs) (laughs) I would like a chip that made it so when you make your computer go to sleep, it just goes to sleep. And then when you wake it with a press of a button or a wiggle of the mouse, it springs into life. Does it spring or is it? Oh, what? Oh, shit. Where the fuck are you? Actually, no, I'd be happy Who are you? Viruses. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Got no operating system. Oh, no. Um, 
Uh, that would be good. That would be good, a little embellishment. Yeah. But just simply what for it just this? to stay the fuck off and then stay the fuck on when I want it to be, as opposed to, okay, I'm just not turning off the screen. I'm just not doing that, despite all the settings. I think you need a, a name for this thing. The G45 Z. <laughs> Forty-eight. Avenger. Uh, Avenger. Vengeance. <laughs> Predator. <laughs> Two thousand M murder. Thirteen. <laughs> Predator hypes. Thirteen. Two thousands. Pro. Yeah. yeah that. I want a my... name for like the the just general kind of cluttered sluggishness that a computer gets after being on too long. And it's like, it's yes, not, it's not yes. the apps that are running. You've shut that, you've looked at task manager, you've seen what's running and you shut it down. And yet inexplicably, it's still just a bit slower than it should be. Yeah, and right. if you reboot, it'll be fine. And there's something that's accumulating in its back yeah. systems. It's, it's not like a I think it's like something like that. Like some, yeah. some sort of... I want to call it like Chlurge. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Chlurge. Yeah. You know, the, um, my, uh, so I recently. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my sister's had a child fairly recently. Uncle, not that recently. Uncle Martin, here's to you. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. Hey. The child is approaching two years old. Oh, and, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers this like three times. It was a pointless so, ritual. Um, so it's approaching the age in which it discovers disobedience and uh, relishes it. Hmm. And I would, I would like it if there was that. Uh, you know that moment where your computer does something unexpected and you don't know if it's just gonna fuck you like you turn it on in the morning and it goes burp, burp, burp. <laughs> and you're like that's an unusual noise <laughs> and then the light on your mouse turns off and the light on your monitor turns off and you're like oh mm. is, th- is that it now <laughs> <laughs> do we get this back is, and it's, it's, it's exactly the attitude that a toddler has when it's holding something precious to you and it's looking at you and thinking I could drop this <laughs> I could drop this and really fuck up your life. Will I? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I like a noise which just encapsulated that. Yeah. The, the indecision. <laughs> yeah. It'd be good if there was just a little sound chip. Um, instead of BIOS beeps or whatever, it just went, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Or just like a kind Sorry. of... Just a kind of like, mm. <laughs> ooh, ooh, shit. Not gonna say what, but hmm. <laughs> just a deep groan, maybe. <laughs> Essentially, we want more relatable computing. <laughs> I'm saying. Good. Uh, next question comes from Kane. I think mm-hmm. it's only fitting that Pod Archivist Kane gets a. Mm-hmm. Long fucking question <laughs> on this our 300th episode. <laughs> Possibly our longest episode. We'll find out. We'll find out. Oh, uh, Boo writes Kane. Playing Control. I was struck by how much restraint it has. This is a horror-ish game that has, spoiler warning, not really a spoiler, no jump scares. It has plenty of opportunities for them, some excellent ones in fact, but somehow manages to repress the urge to make a big scary face appear from the dark and yell at you. This restraint also extends to its setting. It suggests that there are big, interesting things going on outside the Bureau's headquarters in the thresholds and the AWEs across the globe, but it determinedly stays within the walls of the oldest house. I've often criticised works that don't leave themselves room for escalation. Netflix's Jessica Jones starts its first season with a scenario so traumatic and dark that a lot of people can't watch it. Then in each subsequent season, it needs to escalate and its characters need to become increasingly wounded and unlikable. 
when you start off so extreme and people can't even watch your show, how many times can you escalate before you lose your audience entirely? To me, controls restraint recognizes this dynamic. It, it understands that if it showed everything in its first outing, it struggles to escalate in the undoubtedly planned sequels. So we see a glimpse of the Black Rock Quarry threshold. We hear stories about the redacted, where redacted probably went, but never see it. That's left open for a sequel. The problem is, if you don't know of cool, show enough cool shit in your first outing, people won't be impressed enough to play a sequel. I've definitely seen complaints about Control's insistence on staying in the oldest house. Um, people wanted to visit Ordinary to go to Redacted 36 to see where the mold came from and so on. Some are disappointed that Control same Cape Soames. Sing it. Sing it, brother. And Kane went scats. Close enough for jazz. Uh, some are disappointed that Control kept so much so close to its chest. What do you think? Was Control too subdued? Or did it cleverly show just enough to get people interested while leaving room for future escalation? And what's up with that jukebox tease, eh? Regards, Kane. I think, personally, as someone who's played Control all the way through, Kane might be being a little bit generous here. I think Control does a lot with a limited set of assets and one enemy type, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I I I do like all the things that Kane says. I I do l- I really like the setting of control, but I just don't think it follows through really in mm. their, their the either the mechanics or the kind of actual actuation of its setting. Like there's a line of dialogue where it says, um, "He was a man like an explosion, desperate for control, or something like that, mm. or desperate desperate for authority." You're like. <clears throat> Are, are explosions generally known for their desperation for authority? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I, I think it's a Tony Ellis absolute. <laughs> yeah, I very, yes. I very generously read this in the sort of Max Payne school of game writing, where yeah, it's but you like you really have to give it that yeah, generosity. The, it's it's such a benefit of the doubt. It's like the words you've said don't matter. <laughs> like the sort, it's not, and it's it's like it's not poetry, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but it's like. The words you've used evoke a k- kind of sort of feeling, mm. and that's what I'll take from them. <laughs> yeah, because that's all you can. Yeah, really. But I think that's- is that bad writing? The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's drawing from such a rich theme of horror, mm. and it's almost disappointing to me that it doesn't capitalise fully on it during the. It thinks it's not a horror game. Like that's yeah. it's, it's a right, psychic it's a super soldier yeah. empowerment game where so, you're flying around and throwing fucking CRT screens at people. So not mm. to gross like, people out, but like so for example, the, uh, a lot of the ideas from this come from the SCP community, which yeah. have, uh, mm. the, the forum that um, which is capitalising on like. This, so so what SCP is? Um, um, yeah, so it's a forum where people like anyone can contribute, I believe, and. The fundamental theme is ordinary objects becoming horrifying, basically. Special containment protocols. Special, uh, yeah, acronym. exactly. Um, mm. and that, that's why they have to be contained in these facilities because, so, uh. Mm. And it's a good framing device because it's like, so it's basically a wiki of, of, of weird, creepy shit, but the framing device is, here are the notes we had to take to explain how to contain this thing. Yes. And so each individual weird anomaly horror thing requires its own containment protocol. And so the, the wiki is just trying to explain how you contain it. And in the process of doing that second hand, you get, you get the implied yes, stuff of like, absolutely. oh my God, it can do this. And yes, oh Jesus, absolutely. why, why can you never let a human touch it? And that kind of thing. Uh, so, oh, 
don't really want to describe to demonstrate like the horror is extremely good like as in it's mm. or uh, well it, it can be <laughs> some of it is yeah, like it's terrible oh it's scissors <laughs> <laughs> um i'm trying to think of a one that isn't too gross um but i, I it's important to find one because it explains where control comes from because mm. controls fiction comes from that community um and it, like it also comes from like stuff like Doctor Who, where like oh a, a chair ate someone like oh, yeah. like did, <laughs> like did that stuff. Well, this is the thing, and this is the thing that's interesting about its use of assets is its tradition is really firmly rooted in things like Doctor Who and the Twilight Zone, mm. which are all about the art of making scary sci-fi oh. with no fucking budget. Right. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, did yeah, that yeah. chair kill somebody? Yeah, I guess yeah. we're going to hire pretty good actors to stand around and go, shit, ah. maybe. <laughs> like, can we afford to rotoscope a Cyberman? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> Peter Cushion doesn't have anything to do on Thursday afternoon. Let's, uh, let's get him yeah. in. Yeah, perhaps it was the chair. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Now children are scared of chairs. Like, Doctor Who's great trick has always been making children afraid of ordinary things. Yeah, mm. but that's, that's, that is, a, um, a fantastic genre of horror. And Doctor Who, so the Autons, for example, was just like, what if mannequins in the windows that you see in clothes stores every day came to life and started mm. destroying your brain? Uh, that, it, it, that is the type of horror. And it's not just in Doctor Who, it's, it's everywhere. It's, you know, there's loads of examples of this. Um, but like, in control, their power-ups, and that well it's because you're the person with the power to claim them and calm I, I, them I, yeah i understand the kind of i understand the the conceit i understand the kind of context around it but that robs them of all their threat right yeah because i I, I, I agree i think i think there's one example where it actually manages to play th- follow through on that a little bit by having like, another character involved mm. but i agree i think i think one of the misnomers about controls it's just not a horror game mm. it's like a lost style tv mm. mystery about a flying woman and her ability to throw bins at people. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do really recommend, yeah. um, which um, I would I fucking watch, by the way. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind the fact that it's not a horror game. Uh, that's not really my objection. It's just, I don't think it sells the things that it is about very well. How, uh, <clears throat> it gets closer to it deeper in. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I no, I, yeah. I, I, I'm really into the broader kind of setting of it. I, I really like that. I like, I love the idea of the oldest house. I love the idea of these kind of objects of power, which are just these, essentially the, the most generic forms of these items. And somehow because of their genericness, because of their communal kind of understanding, yeah. you know, they've, yeah, they've, they've that yeah, they've, yeah, yeah, power. yeah, yeah I like, power. I, like, I love that idea. Yeah. It's but quite, it's mm. just, Ah, there's not the writing moment to moment to support that. And the, the game is just a shitty shooter. It gets a lot better <laughs> as a shooter. I will say that. Oh, like, really? When you have all the powers. Play, oh, God, yeah. Up. I'm just desperate for it to give me something at when, the moment. I'm just when like, you have, oh, great. I've got a th- telekinesis throw thing, which is basically the same as just like any other weapon. Yeah, it's- because there's no real kind of consideration about the things that you're throwing. You're just pressing a button and then something, something gets thrown at a guy and it does a certain amount of damage versus you know popping out of cover and doing bet, 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 with your gun so I mean, it's just insane yeah it's it's a shame like you can tell a lot by the fact that it's if you're playing with a pad its powers have specific mappings like yeah shoulder buttons don't have a purpose until the power comes along and that's for a reason it's a whole power set yeah i feel it, i should be playing with the pad i think playing with a keyboard mouse is a bad idea because you can't actually Use your telekinesis powers while strafing right. Shit. <laughs> Which is rubbish, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's it, like I played with the pad and with the, with all the powers unlocked, it's a pretty good 
fun mm. shooter. Because, okay. but it's like until like it's it's it leaves it quite late into the game, and I think this is again as an asset thing for you to be like, oh shit, when I can fly mm. and I can create a shield and I can control things and I can mind control enemies, all of this stuff works strategically with the enemy types. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's also it's all at the point at which I'm pretty sure I've quit. It's also saying, hey, you know, you can get this thing which will make the game like maybe an iota more interesting if you grind. I'm just like, oh, come on. No, Mm. don't Mm. do that. If your game is really quite bare bones and budget, don't don't ask me to to grind for anything that was going to make it tactically more exciting. It has some pretty good set pieces towards the end. They're not like totally mind blowing, but it has some really good kind of bits where it kind of plays with its... I love the look Fiction. of it. It's an amazing yeah. looking game. Yeah. Also, they're yeah. just a, whatever they've done with the, the lighting model in their game. I don't think I've enabled ray tracing or anything super fucking fancy mm, in it. Still amazing. But yeah. it is just incredible looking. Have you seen Duncan Harris's charts? I, I know. I haven't. So yeah. dead yeah. ends. He's, 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 he's been ding, dinkling uh, around in there, dunkling yeah. around in there. Dunkling around. <laughs> dunkling around. <laughs> dunkling he's, he's, he's got himself Magic Sir Dead End Thrills, <laughs> by the way. We, we should, um, we should has, go and, uh, hang out with Duncan at some point. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah. It's probably not podcast really material, but I'm going to say it. He got bitten by a weird thing in the well. <laughs> what? <laughs> he dug up his new garden. Yeah. And there was a well underneath it. And in the well was something that bit him. And then <laughs> what it made, category of thing? it was a bad thing. <laughs> person? And he fell over and bonked his head as a result of the bite. Okay. And so yeah, oh, yeah the hospital. If you find a well that's been buried, <laughs> leave it buried. Yeah. Don't dig it up. Don't that's dig the up the answer. Wells. That's where yeah. the Ertween well. <laughs> the Ertween dwells. <laughs> the Ertween bit him. Yeah. Jesus. He's been he's been doing shots of um uh, control and they look really good. And uh Duncan being Duncan, he he removed almost all of them because he's now decided he's found some technique which has sort of made them all <laughs> yeah. better so like everything is now rubbish and now yeah. he's gonna have to redo it all but like they're, they're really good last last very last thing i'll say on this like if you enjoy stuff like the control hunt down the lost room which is a an indie series based on the same tenants as like scp and control where there's a room that has become cursed somehow every object within it has slowly made its way without that room and they all have reality warping consequences is this with the guy from six feet under uh is that a different series which guy the main character in six feet under uh i'm not sure uh can't remember. peter it, it's, got, it's got a taub from house in it and it's got some other people in it like no i think we're thinking of different things yeah i, I think so. the thing i'm thinking of might just be called the room and i know it's not it's not the movie the room but there's a tv series about like a a weird cursed hotel room with a special key to it and they, they all have these like deep significance in some way that sounds really similar like, so <laughs> is it your thing a game or a film it's, it's a tv series oh i'm sorry yeah okay. yeah, yeah um so the, for example there'll be an item that is just a playing card and if you tap it against your head you get transported to outside of a random part of arizona and <laughs> uh, there'll be a pen that will just eviscerate people and they'll like it yeah. is it's the kind of it's again it's about putting horror into every everyday item i really i really like that stuff which is a great like, idea the, I, right? in, in control the idea that there's like a platonic ideal of a uh a motel a motel which exactly, you can go to, right. which is the call, always mm. called the ocean view 
That's a, that's a really good idea. Yeah, that's the lost room though. Like, um, that, mm. that is the lost room. Like it's a motel mm. room in that series, and I, like they've just watched that and just I've control sure. does let itself go weird right at the end, which is fun. Mm. Some real real weird stuff at the end of that game. Mm. Yeah, also, talking guns and weird kind of. Yeah, yeah. gunner's phone. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, we are thinking of the same thing. The thing I'm thinking of is called the Lost Room. No, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded too similar to not yep. be. There's also there's a book called The Way In, which is about um, a hotel chain uh, for kind of people going to kind of business conferences. Um, and the person, the, the main character, he, um, his job is to his job is basically to establish a conference which is about establishing conferences so like it's a conference about how to oh, man. and they all stay in this hotel and the hotel gets weirder and weirder and he becomes obsessed with the the, the pictures on the walls because he becomes determined like they're all this sort of shapeless kind of abstract and he wonders what happens if you put all of the pictures together next to each other and rearrange them and perhaps there's some meaning to it and mm. and then then everything goes very weird in this chain of hotels. What was that called again? The Way In. Oh, yeah. So you were recently uh, interviewed on uh, BBC Radio. And you, Mad Keen Gamer, Mad Alex Wilson. <laughs> Indeed. But you also posted a, uh, a screenshot of... Well, not screenshot... <laughs> a photograph, as they call them. It's real life somehow. <laughs> a photograph of what that uh, recording apparatus oh, looked yes. like. And lots of the people in Discord identified the person in the photograph yes. getting out of the car as Chris, Chris. Chris Thurston, which poses a bit of a kind of overlook hotel. It was. I know. Maybe he's Look, been here all the time. Yeah. I worked in a local BBC radio station <laughs> when I was younger. Uh, and not you in died ba- there. And, no. Yeah. And, 12 years ago. And Did you kill anybody with an axe? I'm just... Like, you know. all I'm saying is all of those environments, I have worked in BBC Radio Salisbury and I've worked in BBC Radio Swindon mm-hmm. and both of them... No all- murders no Every, <laughs> like everything is about the amount haunted <laughs> you can expect the bbc to be which is a bit haunted very, very but bit. we're not going to talk about it very a bit haunted so it was like have I told you the 1990s it was amazing have I, I must have told this story on the podcast before the first time i walked into uh, bbc radio swindon uh, they told me, and I was, I was, I was young at the time. I was 20, I think, or 21. Hmm. And, um, and they told me, and I think they identified a young person. So they walked me into a room with all the tapes in it. And they pointed at a picture on the wall that was in the tape library, which was of just, uh, like a, a two middle, two middle aged people. There were separate pictures, but a middle aged man and a middle aged woman. And they said, this is your audience. <laughs> just ne- two never, never do anything these people wouldn't understand. <laughs> This is true. This, uh, and, and the idea was this, it was like they were, there was just a white, middle class, middle aged British couple. And it was like, if you feel and like. They kept in the tape room. Yeah, they, they kept, <laughs> and, and it was clearly the only purpose of these photos was to be shown like a kind of optician's test to young people coming in. Like, do you recognize a demographic here or do you mm. just see your parents? And, um, and yeah, so that was the first instruction. Um, and, and after that, you were kind of free to do what you wanted as long as you didn't go too crazy with it, yeah. basically. Or I mean, radio. don't axe murder anybody and don't I made a bit amazed. about druids. I think things have changed because <laughs> if I'm going to get introduced as a mad keen gamer, I'm, I'm pretty sure that means the BBC has very much changed. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that's exactly the same thing. I think that's, that is, that is exactly the same thing, Alex. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I'd love us to link the, uh, uh, the interview that Alex did already yeah. for, which I thought, 
You oh, were, don't. My God. Oh, you were very good. Yeah, you were very good. Absolutely, yeah, it's a really good, in, interesting interview. It's yeah. just, you know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't It was actually as bad as Radio 4 has been in the past <laughs> yeah, in introducing right. games. I thought she was she was pretty switched on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's just, there's just that kind of air of condescension about it where yeah. it's like, oh, and here's Melvin Bragg. I hear you're a big bookworm, Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> you big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't say that. I did, um, I did a, a radio bit, I think it was for the Golden Joysticks or something years and years ago. And then when it finally went up, and it was like, it was relatively serious. I can't remember what the, what the sort of issue of the day was, but it was something Grand Theft Auto related or something. And it was like, you know, do games cause violence? It's like, well, you know, ultimately all forms of media are kind of moderated in a certain way and games are different. And the only thing that was different when it went live was that behind every time I talked, there were like pew 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 pew, pew, pew <laughs> sounds oh, in the background to illustrate that the games man was talking. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. It really livened it up because I sounded boring. <laughs> we have one final question for this episode 300, the longest episode, dawn of the final day, 24 hours remain. <laughs> Gavin writes, Hey all... Firstly, I'm listening to episode 217, remember that, 83 <laughs> episodes ago. Clearly, where, so clearly. Where, so he's going to listen to the answer to his question. 83 episodes later. <laughs> so where Tom S. is loving his recently acquired Steam Link. And? <laughs> Which made me wonder, when a game can be played in front of computer or in front of TV, which do you prefer? When a game can be played with a keyboard or with a controller, which do you prefer? <laughs> has your, sorry, I don't know why I've done this to you. Um, has, has your preference for either of these things pre- changed over time? Um, uh, so that's the first question. Second question, which is going to get a big old oh shit from everybody, is uh, you've all got a love of prose. What are your favorite novels? Must be fiction and must be dear to your heart. Oh, shit. <laughs> exactly. So let's answer the first one about things what near a television might be. Um, lastly, thanks very much for the Creighton Crowbar. Every week I learn and every week I laugh and you never fail to brighten my day. Take care, Gavin. Oh, thank you, Gavin. Oh, that's super nice. It is super nice. Oh. Um, so, ooh. One at a time. Mm. <laughs> let's start with number one. Yeah, the question number one. Do you like big one. TV far away or small <laughs> TV close by? <laughs> I am kind of Dougal from Father Ted, so... <laughs> what uh, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do sometimes just shout that at games as well. Uh, and maybe that's Rage Dougal. That might have been the learned behaviour that translated into the train instance. Um Big screen, far away, small screen, close. Your thoughts? So I've figured out that I can play Slay the Spire on any screen whatsoever, because I bought it again on the Switch. Mm. <laughs> the smallest screen. The smallest screen. Um, but also the closest screen. <laughs> if you recently, I've been playing console games where uh, like, they aren't on PC. For example, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, and Soon on PC. One month on PC. Yeah, one month on PC. I hope they, uh, yeah. Will uh, we so, play? Answer so. no. Will the horses be faster? I thought, well, <laughs> is, is horse <laughs> car? <laughs> is putting, putting more questions on, pod, on top of this. Yeah, really right. Tom. Difficult to Tom, answer when, when they upgrade, uh, when they, when they upgrade Red Dead Redemption to be on the PC, will horse be car? 
Horse, <laughs> horse not be car. No, horse, horse not be car. Horse ball texture be better? Question horse mark. bum nice. Mm. Uh, horse bum nice, indeed, Alex. <laughs> question mark. I'm going to get to the end of this question. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... <laughs> this is part one. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so... <laughs> I think there are actually like a bunch of people in this industry. <laughs> a bunch of people in this industry. It's true. Let's get through this. We've got to get through this. Um, uh, who can answer the question of which games work better on small or large screens? Which is fundamentally the question. The answer, Tom, is Diablo. I- <laughs> Look. Yeah, that, Chris is correct. <laughs> the answer is Diablo is both somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, I got I got input on this because okay, thank, cool. thank, thank, <laughs> thank you for saving. Part of the question was about whether you prefer hand. playing things on mouse and keyboard or on on gamepad and yeah, sofa and whatever. Fuck. Uh, and I, I've talked before about like, I switched to gamepad wherever possible because of my RSI issues with mouse and keyboard, and I you know spend all day on mouse and keyboard uh, when I'm uh, making games. Uh, I recently played Borderlands 3 entirely on gamepad, and I think it's the first first-person shooter I've really enjoyed on gamepad, where it's like, actually, I'm having fun partly because I'm doing well, and yet I'm playing on gamepad. Because I played Doom, the, the reboot of Doom, mm-hmm. on gamepad initially, on PC, but I was like, oh, I like gamepad now, and, you know, RSI, fuck keyboard, I'm going to play on gamepad. Yeah. And I just thought, what? why are people excited about this game? I don't like, it's fine, but it's nothing special about it. And then I just tried on mouse and keyboard experimentally, and I was like, oh my god, okay, this is amazing. And so I kind of had it in my head, of like, if it's actually skill-based, and if it's actually, like, enjoyable as a shooter, then it kind of has to be mouse and keyboard. But Borderlands 3, the first time, like, Partly because it's quite RPG based, so a lot of the the fun you're getting from it, although it is skill based as well, uh, it's just really satisfying to feel your skill choices pay off. Like I'm going for a build where I have an increased chance of, or, or, like, 18 percent of my damage is turned into elemental damage. Uh, I have a higher chance of those elemental damages like turning into a status effect, yeah. and then when the status effect happens, there's a chance it might spread to someone else. If they die while the status effect is happening, they explode with that status, which applies mm-hmm. it to everyone else. And then every time a status effect is applied, it might apply another different status effect to them as well. <laughs> and just all that stuff stacking up, it feels really good. And then I also think on console, at least, Borderlands 3 has better auto-aim than most games. There's something about it that feels really right to me and just like, it's helping me, but it's never doing the wrong thing. It's never like pushing my cursor away from what I want to be doing. Have you played Destiny 2? Yeah. I have. <laughs> uh, Where the shooting is... I dare not offer an opinion on the shooting, because who knows what noises might come out of you. <laughs> Um, uh, it was I, I, it didn't click with me uh, I didn't hate it or anything I just kind of played it for. All, I, I was playing alone and just playing like some single player stuff the and just about, didn't really the, the weird thing about Destiny 2 is like auto aim is a hidden stat but, <laughs> you uh, can buff with explicit buffs yeah which is really fucking strange but it is it's like, called target target acquisition target acquisition yeah. yeah or something like that yeah yeah it is yeah um, and it, how do they handle that on PC I they don't they don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't handle it no not really uh, I th- on, on, actually, I do know the answer. On PC, it's hitbox size. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. really? Huh. It modifies enemy hitboxes relative to the weapon you're holding. And if you think that's sort that's- of relativistic bollocks, welcome yeah. to Destiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <Marker. right. laughs> oh, shit. I didn't know that. That's- My mind has just been blown. Because <laughs> I, I graduated to, to PC when it hit um, Steam, and uh, I'm still using Pad. 
because I just like it pad. It's a great because mm. I just like it pad. It's a great pad game. I mean, like, like when I started playing with PC this week, I didn't think it would stick, and now oh, it's it's stuck. Oh, it, it feels <laughs> good, but I think it's I find oh, I feel sick um, because this because my screen is. 27 inch and it's just too close screen is right, too big right. screen, screen too big too close right Alex the classic error uh, Alex no move further away <laughs> but, I, but I can't because I've got my peel order mouse you see and I'm chained to that thing I can go back with a pad mm. well a crying shame easier question favourite book ever <laughs> oh Christ <laughs> yeah probably not I'm going to go with Mrs. Dalloway before Tom does Ooh. oh shit <laughs> he's taking it seriously shit yeah it's good though. That's right. That's yeah. a really good so answer. Mrs. Mrs. Dalloway. <laughs> by Virginia Woolf. Yeah. It's mm. a very good book. People should read it. It's nice. Everybody loves it. Explained. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> Alright. Um, it's sort of like uh, the, the project that Ulysses by James Joyce embarked upon, where it is this giant epic, which is compressed into a single day. But Virginia Woolf achieves that with such an economy, whereas James Joyce does not. James Joyce's mm. Ulysses is a huge book, and it is a very worthy book, and you will suffer in order to read <laughs> yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Virginia Woolf manages to achieve pretty much the entire thesis that James Joyce is striving for, but within, like, a centimetre of pages, <laughs> or less, in fact. And that is... Remarkable. It has, it, it contains the entire scope of humanity <laughs> within it. <laughs> wow. Uh, and it is a very humane and beautiful yeah. uh, piece of writing. I think it's also very accessible in contrast to a lot of modernist literature, which is mm-hmm. so high minded that uh, lesser minds such as my own just cannot really parse it. Whereas I think Virginia Woolf was writing not only for a high-minded audience, but also for, a, for with the attempt to bring up a mass audience to that level. And I, I think she achieves it much more successfully than James Joyce ever would. So there. Fuck you, James Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> the note we would end for <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were waiting for. Yeah. I love you, Marsh Davis. <laughs> I could, I you like, know, I... Um, that is such a good summary. This is sort of relevant. Um, a, a very... I was at a dark age of Camelot. Um... <laughs> guild meeting <laughs> in Preston okay right in Preston when yeah. I was 16 mm-hmm. and I decided that this was the night I was going to learn to drink scotch mm. um, and a, a friendly Scotsman called Colin taught me to drink scotch and that night I attempted to read Ulysses mm. uh, fell asleep <sighs> within two pages <laughs> and woke up with the worst hangover I've ever had in my entire life <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that is how I looped that back to PC games somehow <laughs> Mr. Dalloway is like 220 fucking pages or something. Yeah. On yeah. It's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> bargain. I'm sorry. I that's love that exactly book. the way you should think of yeah. it. Yeah, that's how <laughs> you. Wait, anyway. wait. What is the price point for this product? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like very slim to me. It's, look, it's, well, it's great to have. You should get a hit of the DLC. Though, right? I mean, <laughs> it's great to have one of these. It's great to have one of these modernist novels that is. Um, done within 25 hours. You know what I mean? Rather than like your you Ulysses. Know, but it'll go free to play as soon as it's like 50 years after a death, it'll go free to play. <laughs> You're on Project Gutenberg. You're fucking. You're, the zinger of the book world. Yeah. yeah you just uh, got you fucking, where's that shit? You get fucking 
it's it's Dalloway, <laughs> and it's there with the fucking headers. You say like, Gawain in the Green Knight is Wes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you're like fucking Boink Clan ripped this. <laughs> Guess what? Most polite knight, motherfucker. It's Gawain. He's so fucking polite. He dies in every story because he's so kind, unlike Tom Senior, the opposite of Gawain. The shout that lands a lot of trains. <laughs> Where Gawain would apologise and die. <laughs> I would be unjust and very angry. And decapitate someone. <laughs> Probably the guy I met. Exactly. Oh dear. Uh, this was a bit. Um, oh, that went... Mm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I did go... Mm. <laughs> I did go... Mm. <laughs> yeah, we missed mm-hmm, that. Always, mm-hmm, and everybody goes... Eh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can't remember what, favorite good, novel. Good book. It was I, such a good answer, Marsh. Yeah, I don't really follow it up. Yeah, I was trying to think of this. Mr. It's... Mr. Strong or something like something really. <laughs> the the <laughs> opposite of Mrs. Dalloway. <laughs> <laughs> a Mr. Man book to go, <laughs> to go with. Um, I don't know what I would say. I've maybe maybe the actual book of the like. Oh fuck! If we're talking literary, it's a fucking rabbit hole but maybe the princess bride question mark the actual mm. novel that is great um and the film is great everything about it's great the remaking it why if you're on a disco elysium kick and uh you want to read some kind of noir stuff that that uh fills that slot then i read uh red harvest recently by dashiel hammett uh, on the recommendation of the waypoint podcast actually uh, which is uh, part of a series about the Continental Op, who's a private detective who ne- I think is never named in any of his stories. Um, but he just kind of shows up in a town that is full of of corruption, and it's got a similar kind of thing where, the, like, the union. There's kind of a backstory of the union. It's not there isn't like an evil union who's kind of dominating a town, but the ways that that thing came to power and and fell out of power has, has informed the the dynamics going on. And it's that similar kind of thing of like a really. Uh, complex situation with a chaotic agent walking into it and just deciding to kind of put a spanner in the works and just see what happens and uh it's it's fun to see how you just go into a situation just i don't know to what extent it's pre-planned but just come out with a lie (laughs) when he says you think what the hell are you saying that doesn't make any sense and also why did you even think of saying that and then you see the consequences of it play out and how different people react to it and how it like people a certain person can't disprove it and another person believes it and then it forms this kind of like seed of destruction that then spreads throughout the whole town dismantles the whole thing Mm. it's pretty cool Mm. alex I have no idea what my favourite book is, but I'm reading right now a book called Pekincho, which is about uh, sort of a multi-generational story about Korean settlers or like Korean people living in, in Japan. And it's really fucking good. It's really, really interesting. Starts in the 1920s. It's also about the, what, the, the birth of Pachinko itself. I don't like know. The, the... Is it? I don't I know. Don't, well, I thought you told me this. <laughs> it's about, it's about the creation of that game where, like, know. a ball goes into an arcade. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say that. Didn't you? I've never said that. You did. Because I don't know what we it's about. We were in a car together. You literally said this to <laughs> me. Didn't you just said the book's called Pachinko? That's the one, but it might just be a coincidence. say what it's about, though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you killed Tom Senior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I've been. Re- I have to say, sounds good. The reading, <laughs> the fucking the phrase. I've been reading this book called Pachinko. It's something about the origins of Pachinko. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of the finest. You read it. Oh, good. <laughs> At the moment, they're just trying to sell, uh, um, you know, um, balls and spi- pegs spicy, separately. Those spicy pickles you get in Japanese food. They're just selling them. <laughs> I don't know anything about balls. <laughs> Alex, why are you killing me? Please stop killing me. <laughs> why can't you say what the thing is without killing me? <laughs> it's just pachinko, right? <laughs> it's just, what did I say? Did I say it wrong? Did I always... There was a lot. Like It was a lot. It was a lot. In conclusion... It this was, was a lot. 300. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this was... <laughs> You're yeah. 300. Uh, does anyone have any more books to share? If not, I'm going to outro. Uh, I'm done one, but I'll do Dune. Uh, Tom? Dune. Dune. Dune's good. Dune. Oh, Dune's also, a great choice for this. Hey, how about yeah. The Left Hand of Darkness as well? Oh, which yeah. Is, yeah. I remember yeah. A, a, a meeting with you, myself, and a good friend of ours, and uh, she asked us what our favourite books are. Not that our favourite books, but the books that we recommend most to people. And you jumped in with Mrs. Dalloway. I was like, oh, fuck, that was mine. <laughs> and then uh, I suggested Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, because that is one of the most profound mm. books I think I, I'd read as a teenager, and it changed the way I thought about <coughs> gender and uh, uh, identity in a, in a really fundamental mm. way. And, uh, and it's also a fucking great, riveting read. It's just an absolutely rollicking, great sci-fi the, novel as well. The uh, equivalent, I would. Um, so uh, at secondary school, we had an inc- uh, like very lucky to have just an incredible teacher who uh, put us all onto Tony Morrison's beloved. Oh yeah, mm. which is Nick. Like that changed my life. Like it changed the way I saw the world. Like genuinely, and it is a fucking sensational book. And R.I.P. Tony Morrison. If you'd like to send us a question for episode three hundred and one plus of the Creighton Crowbar, you can do so by emailing us at questions at CreightonCrowbar dot com. Please bear in mind there'll be no Tom Francis. <laughs> <laughs> gone now until he's back <laughs> which is how that works you're saying he won't be able to stick you won't be able to stick um, I mean he's um, going to come back like four times a year he said that didn't he he's right there I've chosen- <laughs> Alex you made that super dark <laughs> it's not going to work guys <laughs> however if you are Canadian you might see him <laughs> and we all know that some of you are <laughs> Hmm. Weirdly ominous. If you, <laughs> very menacing. If you would like mean? to find us on Twitter, you can do so. It's at Creighton Crowbar, isn't it? Hmm. The answer is yes. <laughs> YouTube, you know we've got it. <laughs> YouTube.com forward slash Brand new slogan. <laughs> Creighton Crowbar, and our slogan for our channel. It's certainly there. (laughs) (laughs) Some followers. Uh, If you'd like, well, (laughs) you don't have to like. Some some of you do. Uh, (laughs) Support us on Patreon. I'm trying to slow intro. Slow intro. Slow intro. Some of you just get slower and slower. slower. (laughs) This podcast never ends. We keep Tom forever. (laughs) Technically, I can't leave till the podcast ends. 
some of you choose to support us on Patreon. And that's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you were going to tell them off. <laughs> no. How could I tell them off, given that they pumped vital uh, money into it? <laughs> they bought the fifth microphone we didn't know existed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Many years Three ago. $3 went into that cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> you enabled. I just kept a secret. I don't know what you guys were doing. Yeah. No, that's you didn't keep it a secret. You just left it in a perfectly accessible cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> the limit was ultimately my imagination. <laughs> In any case, Patreon. Wow. If you'd like to find out more, patreon.com forward slash crate and crowbar is where you can do that. Um, supporting us allows us to do the podcast because it means we can pay people for their time. Mm. Incredible. <laughs> Finally. Can we say, can we say hooray for Tom? Yeah. Finally. Hooray for, Hooray for Tom. Tom. Hooray! Hooray! Oh, yes. <laughs> Congratulations for being Tom. Thank you, everyone. I don't know how to react to that <laughs> or think about it. one. Or feel. If we could sing the Canadian anthem, we would. But... Oh, Canada. Canada. Oh, oh no. God. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Straight out of twerking. I don't feel yet, so please don't <laughs> screw it up for me. Fuck, that was so close. You you guys just didn't quite know enough words. <laughs> <laughs> and you spared us from what was about to happen. <laughs> uh, I hope Vancouver welcomes him adequately. Mm. As do we all. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Beautiful. He's not dying. Like, <laughs> he's just going to Canada. The Grey Havens. In, in, the Grey in Havens. Our, in our household, that is what it means. That's what he means. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone, he's gone, gone west. to Canada. Where's yeah. the rabbit, we'll Daddy? Galadriel. <laughs> uh, one of some. We've all been trying to remain Galadriel this entire time. <laughs> Finally, Tom has done it. If you would like, if you would like to enjoy. Uh, Tom's social media presence as he continues <laughs> to remain Galadriel on our brave new continent. You can find season two of Tom at. Okay, so I, I spell <laughs> my username here uh, often, but whenever I have to do it over the phone to someone who like needs to know my Twitter handle or whatever, uh, I, it turns out they're getting it completely wrong. So I have tried to learn the NATO alphabet for <laughs> my username, so I'm going to attempt that. Hmm. Papa. Echo, November, you got it Tango, wrong away. Alpha, Delta, Alpha, Charlie, Tango. Actually, I think that is right. I was wrong. What, what did you think it was? I thought, I, I thought it was Panted. For some reason, God I thought it was Pantadact. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what you've been typing all this time. That's why I haven't got you um, His nemesis. Okay, well, in that case, I, I am shamed and I, and I must offer my own handle. Um, <laughs> and you've ultimate Do price, which is some lesser form. Of yeah, um, Charlie <laughs> Tube <laughs> Puristic <laughs> Urinal <laughs> Rebus <laughs> Silly <laughs> Tango <laughs> Enigma <laughs> Node. That's it. It's a good That's it. It's a good bit. Keep it going. Yeah, good. Oh, Tom Senior. You oh, fuck. I'm a uh, PCG fucking Ludo. <laughs> it's quite a long PCG handle. PCG fucking Ludo. Let the record show a cop-out, Marsh. Mango arse rectum. 
Synecdoche. Oh, he's so good. Oh, I was going to say ampersand, but that's the beginning of the age. Ampersand. 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 Season of the Wire. Dick, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Anus. Vulva. Uh, <laughs> indigo. I uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, excrement. Uh, sexy. Why? Well, I really lucked out by going first here. <laughs> Alex. Oh, that was oh, rough. Fuck that. Do it. Do yeah, it. Do it. It's rotational. <laughs> we clap because we hate. <laughs> we should, can I suggest we do a communal one for a rotational? Mm. Okay. Pass around the circle, starting okay. with okay. Tom. Uh, what do you mean? To start with R. a left. R. 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 No, I mean. <laughs> I mean a word <laughs> beginning with the letter R. <laughs> God damn it! The thing is, I knew what you all meant. And I knew that this would happen. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Rod fiend, ovoid, uh, titty, <laughs> algebra, tootle, <laughs> what, what? ionize, oblong, <laughs> when knee, the fuck are knee we? Cap. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so bad. <laughs> what? Because of the K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom. Tom. <laughs> Ageless. Leprosy. <laughs> there we go. We got through it. Oh, well, if we had to finish the podcast anywhere, <laughs> I guess we finished it here. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for listening, <laughs> everybody. everybody. <laughs> well, that was a mess, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes. How do you feel? Ashamed? Happy? Uh, well, regretful? You know, tired? <laughs> I mean, you put a lot of words in my mouth there, and all of them true. Um, the ultimately pretty proud that we got a podcast of three hundred episodes. Given what a state it is, <laughs> <laughs> there really is um, uh, no reason that this has happened. What do you think if somebody listened to the very first one mm. and then immediately skipped through to episode 300? Do you think they would think there was personal growth? Do you think that they would think there was like, what, <laughs> what has 300 episodes really brought you? <laughs> uh, well, you and Alex. There you go. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. Well, so we should do, um, I'm Graham. (laughs) (laughs) She was Graham the whole time. Yeah, I was. Sorry. Thank you for listening to M. Night Shyamalan's The Crate and Crowbar. Um, (laughs) We should do some sort of outro for you, Pip. And I think it'd be only fair if you had to answer some questions. So, uh, first question. Mm -hmm. uh, What is your most powerful piece of clothing and what does it do? Oh, God. Uh, In some ways, I feel like anything that acts as a costume mm. is powerful um like you might actually be better placed to answer that for me in terms of you know what what you think as an outsider i think but, well i think for me there's a sort of i'm gonna get the the terminology wrong here pinafore oh yeah oh, i was a ship no, that's no a, it's okay. i mean <laughs> if you add hms yeah. it's a ship yeah <laughs> 
Um, you're, yes, that's, they, they possess a, a potent pip energy. Mm. I think most of your clothes just give plus to pip. I mean, is that just because it's got like a pocket that I can keep things in? Yeah, but the fact that you would phrase it like that. Right, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, answered. Uh, next question. Wait, wait, no, I was going to say my heels as well. Mm. Like, I don't wear them very often, but I would say that there is a very definite, like, they, they physically change how you walk and they change how people respond to you in some mm. ways and also you can weaponize them so mm. if you stand on someone's foot while you're wearing heels it really concentrates that that waiter's pressure down on their yeah on their stilettos toes. for a reason yep um yep indeed <laughs> um next question mm-hmm. what do you think is the most uh, the most discussed game on this podcast by tags oh by tags because like did anyone bother tagging every time you talked about dota because if they, they... Yes, they did. Oh, then maybe that, to yep, be honest. That's, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Got it in one, so Pip should get the prize that uh, Marsh oh, did, promised. Did other people not? Well, we kind of collectively got it. It's a mess. They oh, just listened to it. They were listening. Because I would also Fine. say, like, don't the rest of you wang on a lot about, um, like, Deus Ex and things like that and Hitman? Hitman's a good shout, actually. We, I don't know where that was on the list because we quickly uh, lost faith in the concept of the list. Um, the... <laughs> Uh, okay, um, then uh, I'm not going to have to go through all of them. What should we say? Oh, yeah, real easy one. Mm-hmm. Favourite book ever? My favourite book? Uh... Oh, hmm. Why Why is this easy? It's not. Oh, I see. Um, I The one that I recommend a lot to people is The Star's My Destination hmm. by Alfred Bester. It's a science fiction uh, thing that... I think it's Galantz released again as like a part of its SF Masterworks collection. Yeah. And it's the one that I have repeatedly lent to people and is thus dog-eared and battered and has been dropped in the bath and so forth. Good shout. So, yeah. Uh, now, to finish us off, you must spell your Twitter handle uh, in the NATO alphabet or your best interpretation of it. So... Is that the same as the one that they used on the bill? I think so, yes. Okay. So, P is Papa yep. in that. H is... Uh, H is... Ham? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hilda? Horatio? Chris is mouthing things at me. Hotel? Hotel. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Um... So, Papa Hotel Oxford? <laughs> no, no, hang, hang on. on. Faux? Oh. Follopo. Oh, yeah, no, that's not <laughs> <even> my name. <laughs> uh, you can make it up as you go. Hang on. Papa Hotel I is for Igloo. Is it Igloo? Ink? I think it's Indigo. Indigo. India. Indigo? Indigo. Might be India. Don't know. L is for... Shall I just give up and do my own? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, P is for Pip. H is for Pip. I is for Pip. <laughs> L is for Pip. I is for Pip. Uh, P is for Pip. <laughs> P is also for Pip. A is for Pip. W is for Pip. A is for Pip. R is for Pip, and R is for... Mm. 
Roritos. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do R as an actual thing, and then I could only think of Doritos, <laughs> which doesn't help. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad that this double ending of a podcast uh, has stayed at approximately the same sort of ambient shamble level. Yeah, uh, and I'm just drinking chamomile tea. <laughs> this is shameful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should let the nice what people go. What do you think go. I was spelling? Faux. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. Let's go. I think I transitioned because you said hotel. So I was like, okay, well, after the H in hotel, you Is get an, an o. o. Yeah. Yeah. Ombre. <laughs> What? It's an O. It is an O. Anyway, goodbye. Oh, thanks thanks for listening, everyone.